Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to another installment of the OG Gaming Podcast. It has been over a year since our last episode, so there was a lot to discuss regarding Destiny 2. We talk about what has happened in the past year, the current state of the game, and what the future holds for the Destiny franchise. We hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the return of the OG Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Luis, and I'll let everyone else introduce themselves. Hello, this is Javier, one of the co-creators of OG Gaming and one of the co-creators of the Dead Clan on PC. That's where we've been spending most of our time over the last, basically like a year or so, kind of switching over to PC and uh, doing a lot of stuff here with my new compadres. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves as well. I'm Zayok. Uh, last time I was here, I was a scrub. <laughs> no, I'm unbroken. What's up? This is true. Yep. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll introduce myself last. Uh, I'm Sil. I'm newcomer to the podcast. I'm also one of the co-founders of the Dead Clan. Uh, started playing about a year ago, and I am still a scrub. <laughs> Just a little bit, not not too. Much. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll take the compliment. All what right. What do we well, have on the itinerary here, Luis? Well, what we have is pretty much talking about this last year what we've been up to it's been a long time since we've done a podcast um so let's get let's get started on what we've been up to why we kind of stepped away for a while and um we'll start getting into uh talking about destiny talking about um what we didn't cover uh what's going on currently and the future that was recently revealed to us so, um, shoot, last time we got together, it was, I want to say, March of uh, 2019. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I believe it was right before Season of the Drifter. And um, after that, uh, yeah, we kind of just drifted away. I know I had stopped playing Destiny for a while um, and kind of returned towards the end of Season of Opulence try to play catch up as best I could before Shadowkeep came out and um, by the time Shadowkeep came out uh, I know Javi you have pretty much went you went full on to PC left me in the dust on console <laughs> so yeah unfortunately <laughs> so it, it was a struggle for me uh, to maintain any kind of progress in the game so we'll, we'll kind of go over that when we start talking about Shadowkeep and uh, seasons and what consists of that but uh go ahead uh Hav, why don't you tell us what's going on this last year has it been a year basically just been paying pc with uh john and uh sill that's basically what we've been doing i mean me and john kind of switched to uh, mostly pvp for a long time and then once we uh, got introduced to sill we just became a more balanced um you know balanced players playing pve and pvp and then eventually we built this like Discord channel and clan like from the ground up. And uh, how many members do you think we have still? Probably like I don't know, ten. Dis- Discord channel? I couldn't tell you at this point. The clan has got twenty-two members. Yeah. So over that stretch, we've been just I don't know, just playing, having fun, and expanding. Like yeah, just just enjoying the game. Um, yes, we do 
kind of go through the highs and lows of Destiny, which has always been around since Destiny 1. Um, but we're the type of players who just pick up the game no matter what, you know, whether it's raining or shining. Um, and it's, it's a little different because you can see like streamers and other people switching and playing different games just because, you know, they cram so much time into it in such a short period that they just get bored over the time. So, but for us, I mean, we just play, you know, after work every day. So we just, I've just been doing that really. Basically any, any new content in the game, we explore it and we play it and then go switch to PVP and keep playing that until the next stuff comes out. So that's about it for me. And you, John, how, I know uh, last time we spoke, you were pretty knee deep in PVP and I assume it's still the same way as is that pretty much the same for you? Or have you kind of delved more into uh, the PvE aspect? Well, I think last time we talked, I was working on my Wayfarer title. And uh, as of now, I think I have six titles. So nice. I've got... I just got Unbroken last season. Nice. And we're about two... We're literally two triumphs away from the Blacksmith title. Two more just need people to get good at using sparrows <laughs> so we got two more left on that chronicler will just happen whenever the truth to power shows up otherwise I mean it's pretty much all pvp except when we're raiding we blame Sil for that one <laughs> and then Sil Sil's a newcomer um, so you haven't been playing Destiny for very long. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce us to yourself and your gaming history and what led you to Destiny and yeah, how are you I feeling about curious. it? All right, all right. Um, I guess I didn't have too deep of a, a gaming history before I got into Destiny. I last I know I didn't own a console or PC for many many years just finally saved up and got myself a gaming pc about two years back but actually last year uh how i got into destiny a friend of mine bought me the gift as a graduation present from college right as summer started and i got hooked on it i would never played any sort of mmo with this kind of setting and mechanics and the the fluid gunplay and everything i honestly just fell in love with the game and there's definitely been ups and downs with the different seasonal contents um but i really still love the game I, I don't plan on giving it up for anything else anytime soon i i struggled with uh pvp at the beginning and i was really heavily tilted towards pve but ever since i met up with these guys they they talked me into doing more pvp and i hit legend for the first time last season so I blame Zyok for that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, let's see, I, I was pretty much playing solo for a couple of months right at the beginning, and I'm really happy I met up with uh, Javier and Zyok John here because I, I don't know, however much I love the game, if I had nobody to play with for too much longer, yeah. I think I would have run out of things to do. It really is just a better game with a fire team you can trust to get on with and mm -hmm. get stuff done. Louis, didn't you introduce Sil to us? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Sil and I worked together previously, and uh, I admit that I kind of did talk a little, a little bit of Destiny into his ear. <laughs> I, I, 
I warmed him up for it, and then his friend came, which uh, was good because then he ended up enjoying it, uh, enjoying it. And then I I'd mentioned that hey my my, my brother in law he he's playing on PC now. Um, he's always looking for people to play with him. Why don't you you know meet up with him? And now we're here. You guys now you guys forged your own uh, clan together and have become pretty good friends for what I can tell. <laughs> and now we're recruiting uh, you to PC. <laughs> yes, yes. So with that, um, I've, I, I'm finally, finally going to PC. Let these guys know what you just got. <laughs> I uh, just purchased Ryzen 9. One major piece down. So, and you got uh, a mic. And I got a mic, yeah. I got a pretty, it's not top of the line mic, but something that'll suffice for now. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to be getting the, my remaining parts over the summer and I'm hoping, uh, by August, I will have, uh, PC put together and I can get started on playing destiny and be ready by the time the future comes, which is beyond light. So, which is a great, great segue into <laughs> discussing destiny now. So, we'll discuss a little bit about Season of Opulence and uh, kind of walk away from Season of Opulence up until current times and then beyond with Beyond Light. So, um, I can't speak too much on Season of Opulence. I jumped back in towards the end of the season. Um, I didn't have a chance to experience the greatness of the Menagerie. Uh, I can say right now I've only been in there maybe five times total. Uh, I haven't done the raid. Uh, I jumped in when uh, I believe it was Moments of Triumph. So my time was spent trying to complete that and then um, trying to get the armors before they left. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time to really delve into all of what Season of Opulence had to offer. So... In this portion of the podcast, I'll kind of lean on you guys because uh, my experience in this season was very little. All right, so all right. Still the uh, completionist person, so <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go with what I with what I can. Season of Opulence was my first season to the game, so I I didn't really understand the whole moments of triumph system until it was too late. I found out after the fact that I actually had about half of them done, regardless, but. Uh, as far as season of opulence content, um, it, it was really confusing to get into the game and to have because you know I was seeing it constantly. Uh, anytime I'd get a, I'd hop into the game and I'd get a pop up and see pictures of Callus reclining with a giant glass. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Because I didn't have a team to raid with. I, I didn't do any, hadn't done any raids. I barely done any menagerie. I, I want to say I didn't even figure out how to get into the menagerie until about the time Solstice of Heroes came around. Um, but I, it's uh, I can't say I have a lot, a lot of memories from that season. I, I remember how all the stuff works, and I've done a lot of menagerie since then to get you know God rolls like my quick draw snapshot beloved and couple of other items um shotguns smgs etc it's a uh, it's it was a good system i, I did enjoy it but it, it it does get a little bit repetitive after you've mm. done the flawless versions of every activity 
been trying to get some people to do heroic menagerie before it goes away, but it's it's pretty hard to get a fire team of six on for that, even though it's shorter than a raid. Kind of weird. I guess my most memorable thing from Season of Opulence was not the content itself, but rather Solstice of Heroes. It's my first event in D2, first event in Destiny in general, and it was my first experience with the real grind. I, uh, I stayed up late quite a few nights, later than I should have. Luis remembers me coming into work on like four hours of sleep during Solstice of Heroes <laughs> because I was grinding out that armor. Um, in hindsight, I, I, I think I had a lot of fun you know, learning that was like my first experience with figuring out how to best multitask a whole lot of objectives in Destiny, which these guys know how much I love multitasking. They've been playing with me. Um, I'm constantly doing like five different objectives at once. Um, but the armor, not so much worth it. It, it was kind of a huge letdown. It looked really cool. I did finish the entire Solstice Masterwork set on my Titan because I was a Titan main back in Season of Opulence. Uh, Warlock race now, though. Um, mm -hmm. Can you turn into a floaty boy? <laughs> That's right. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with the grind, but then getting the armor and having it immediately become obsolete due to the release of Armor 2.0 and Shadowkeep. I mean, nothing to say bad about Armor 2.0. I love the system. The Solstice armor they gave out to with Banshee, because that was the whole selling point. They're like, oh, you finish the Masterwork version and you get the... Uh, you get the uh, Armor 2.0 version from Banshee right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, oh, it only man. dropped at 750, regardless of what your light level was, and it had the worst possible available stats in mm. the game. I want to say there was like 46 and 48 pieces. Yeah, it was like 46 and 48. It was like yeah. irrelevant for like a day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even think I actually put it on, because by the time I remembered to go to Banshee and claim it, I already had higher light level gear from doing the Shadowkeep campaign. Um... But I, I honestly wasn't all that disappointed. It was, it was kind of a whatever because I had fun getting it. Yeah, that's what, that was when they introduced the aerial EDZ as well, which was a new environment that they had introduced, which was pretty cool. I actually liked it. It was a cool concept. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I did like the EAZ activity. Yeah, uh, so we pretty much summed up Season of Opulence and while... The Menagerie was great. That was pretty much the highlight of it. Did you guys do the raid from that season? Uh, Crown of Sorrow? Recently. I yeah, did it after my shift one night. I got home probably like around 4 o'clock in the morning and joined a Twitch streamer. And we actually did the raid. Um, that was just cool. The first time, you know, first time doing the raid. But it, it was, it's an easy one to pick up on. Um, so what's, what's your biggest takeaway from it? I mean, is, was it a valuable raid? Do you think it it matches up it, with all the other raids you've had before? It felt more toward like a raid layer. Um, okay. It's not, it wasn't too difficult mechanics-wise until you get to the boss room and the boss fight. And for some reason, we had like another random guy. So it was like four people carrying us and then two randoms, me and this other guy. And this other guy just could not grasp the concept of the boss fight and so as soon as one person messes up the the whole team is like done for and that's all i remember was just trying like we got to the boss room and then for like an hour straight just failing with this one guy and then Ooh. finally we he he like 
we lucked up on one run and finished it and we were like oh my gosh thank you <laughs> but uh that was, that was kind of how i felt it's just like a raid layer kind of really short um not too hard until you get to the boss room that was about it yeah okay and then yeah we just did it as a clan not too long ago um and we didn't we didn't have too much trouble with it our, remember. Yeah, I think our first clear wasn't too bad. We uh we had some we had similar trouble on the boss fight to what you were describing because it's um it's if you mess up and it's transferring uh, buffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with transferring buffs or people forgetting to break crystals. Uh, not the crystals. Yeah. Um it's not the end of the world. Like I, I want to say, Crown is not as unforgiving as Garden of Salvation. Um, but it you need you do need like quick adaptability. It's you have to be able to very instantly say, okay, this is what happened. This is how we messed up, and then somebody has to be able to react. You know, get the buffs back where they need to belong, or cover for the person who's missing a buff so that a crystal can be broken. It's not something you can do easily without a team who has experienced the raid. Um, I enjoyed it. I definitely had to agree with the impression about it being more like a raid layer. I mean, the second encounter literally felt like it was copied from the beginning of Prestige Eater of Worlds with just the introduction of the Witch's Blessing mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not, it doesn't really feel like an encounter at all. Um... <laughs> Yeah. But uh, the raid was the raid was fun. Uh, I still don't have Taraba. Yeah, nobody. Does. <laughs> I don't have it. I don't think anybody got it. I mean, it. I've only done the raid like three times, so gotta go back and do it before it goes away this season. Yeah, we'll give it a go. Okay. I'm not really expecting to get Taraba though. <laughs> I, I heard it. I heard it's not that great. It's uh, it's kind of a meme weapon from what I've heard. Yeah, it gets rolling. It tears things up, but. That's a big if and a big why are you wasting your exotic on it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to Shadow Keep. Now with Shadow Keep, we got quite a few changes. Um, we got changes to mods, um, and we got the introduction of seasonal mods and Armor 2.0. So Armor 2.0 is probably the biggest introduction they. I brought along along with the mods, but go ahead and share your thoughts on how you feel that Armor 2.0 has been since they've introduced it in Shadow Keep. Ooh, that's uh, uh, that's a. Uh... It's a. Uh, I, I have a really glowing opinion, so if anyone wants to play the devil's advocate first, I, I like it too. I can play both sides because I like I like it, and there's some parts about it that are huge no no. All right. Um. Well, it's, uh, I really enjoyed Armor 2.0. I, I didn't have a super long experience with Armor 1.0 because it was only around for two, three months while I was playing the game. But I, I the biggest improvement of all that I love to Armor 2.0 is it, it's much easier in my mind to rely on RNG to get good stats than it is to get the exact right perks you want for a certain weapon build. It, it, the whole mod system is very nice in that I can have three pieces, three sets of boots with the right scavengers for different loadouts on, and I can just switch between them depending on my weapon loadout, rather than having to switch to an entirely different set of armor 
every time I want to use a different weapon loadout for, you know, optimal ammo scav, ammo finder, that kind of stuff. Um, like the system, I don't really think they got the whole seasonal mods thing correct yeah. out of the gate. Um, I don't think it really hit its stride until season of, I don't know, the season of Dawn uh, charged with light mods were kind of lackluster even then but then they started to introduce mods which made builds interesting like powerful friends um and following that up again this season with the uh the one that i've got on right now which boosts strength i really like the seasonal mods which give you the ability to get more creative with your builds um but that that wasn't that didn't come for a while so when shadow keep first dropped i was happy to no longer have to roll for perks but I didn't really know how to feel about the seasonal mods yet. Yeah, for me, I I, I liked it because it kind of improved your grind. Whereas with the old way, like you'd, you'd have to look for multiple things on top of just your armor. You're trying to get that perfect enhanced, enhanced roll. And on top of that, you want to try to find an enhanced roll that has two of the weapons that you're trying, like trying to get an enhanced sniper and hand cannon reloader on the same glove. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Whereas now you're aiming for, for the best stat you can get out of the armor. And then you're Don't working your way. Getting, yeah. And then put it working your way to get it towards those mods. And on top of that, they had a whole bunch of freebie mods that we could play around with until we unlocked those enhanced perks. Um, for me, I, I like armor 2.0. Um, my only thing that I kind of don't like about it is how much we have to shuffle around our armors a lot between vaults and using dim and God, I wish Bungie would just give us a class set system so we could just set, set our own classes inside of our game and not have to worry about flipping back and forth and having set loadouts for me, then <laughs> things would be a lot better, but I digress because I, don't think that's happening anytime soon. Oh, you mean like a loadout, a yeah. loadout list tool similar to like COD? You have yeah. like 10 different pre-made loadouts? Yeah, I would not mind mm. that at all. No, that'd be nice. So, so John, let's get your takeaways on, yeah, on Armor 2.0. I, I like Armor 2.0. I think it's way better than the original setup. The fact that you can just throw mods on it to change uh, like what kind of playset you want to do. I'm glad that they switched the fusion, like the elemental thing, so you can actually change things up if you didn't get your void boots or your void stompies mm. or something. Mm -hmm. Like I know that it, I never had void stompies until they let me switch, and then I got them like the next drop, which was horrible. <laughs> I, I actually have a sad story about void stompies. I had like a 61 stat drop for me in a nightfall. And I'm not sure if my postmaster was full, but when I went to swap from Dim, that got lost into the Destiny universe somewhere. <laughs> Space. Uh, Ow. Oh Shut my the god! Yeah. <laughs> That's painful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in like the the other pluses and minuses or whatever is like, I know that both myself and Sil are at this point where it's like. I have three helmets, one arc, one void, one solar. Uh, they're all at, I think, 66 stat points or higher. Hmm. 
Oh, sorry, the one of them 64, but it's masterwork, so it's 76 base stats. And uh, there's not really any point that I'm ever going to replace those armor pieces. Like, at this point, if, it, if an armor piece doesn't have either uh, a higher light level or it doesn't have, like, 60 seven stat points or something i'm just gonna dismantle it i don't need it i don't need extra any other armor pieces that have 60 points 62 anything less than 60 is just an auto trash at this point yeah, so i've gotten to the point where i'm curating my stuff like that too we're so like destiny's been bungie's been so concerned about power creep with their weapons and they've introduced a system that literally has nowhere to go but power creep in the armor. And it kind of scares me. I like having the, the the stat points on the armor, especially since, as Syl knows, having 100 mobility for me is, like, pristine. <laughs> I, don't what, I don't care what, what class you're playing. If you can get 100 mobility, you should be doing that before you do anything else. Thank you, powerful friends. Yes. Yeah, thank you, powerful. <laughs> oh, except that they nerfed the crap out of yeah, it. Yeah, so they nerfed it. Yeah. Can't stack it anymore. Sword no of Travel 100 builds. Powerful friends, singular. Stronger, stronger than normal friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. But like I, I my chest piece that I'm wearing right now, it's got uh, mobility, machine gun reserves, and power, powerful friends. It has 108 stat points. Why in the world would I ever switch that with anything else? And, <laughs> you know, unless I need to get my double grenade launcher reserves for using anarchy or something. Hey, can I have your chest plate? Uh, this one? No. <laughs> but, but, like, mine only has 102 stat points. Well, this one's better. Give. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so overall... But- we have a good perception of mm-hmm. 2.0. The only thing, the other thing I want to say is that they limit the mods, like seasonal mods, to the seasonal armor or something like that. They might change. I don't know. I forgot what was recently said. No, but... it's gonna be. Uh, so, so I think it was a couple of twabs ago where they mentioned that uh, in the future, uh, mods are gonna be for a year. So I read that. Put as on well. anything. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna be so, like. Year so, what year? So we're coming into year seven. So all of year seven, all of those those mods will will last throughout the whole year. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, every time we try to do an activity, <laughs> still always likes to optimize his uh, armor and loadout. So he will say, "Oh, put on taking armor mints," and I'm like, "Uh, I don't have armor to, <laughs> that has that available." I'm like, "Yeah, dang it." So I still need to run more last mod. wish with me. Mm-hmm. More so PvE. Like, so now <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, in the future, they will be a year long right. time for our like season. That. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good improvement. So let's talk about artifacts. That was also introduced oh, yeah. in Shadow Keep. I um, I like. I like I like artifacts. I think I love them. They are a great way to temper our experience and as well as give us some really 
awesome mods for a season. They always kind of go with the meta too. So typically, um, they switch up the PvE meta by adding in the champion modifiers. So um, anti-barrier, over, was it, what's that one called? The other one, over, Overload. Uh, oh, yeah. and then um, unstoppable. So then in, in the artifact, they'll have the seasonal of what weapons you can equip those mods to, along with advanced perks for reloads. And then usually some pretty cool mods towards mm -hmm. the end of those artifacts. So I, I like it. I think it's a really great introduction to the game. Uh -huh. um, I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Um, my first thought is that they had to remove Thundercoil this season as a specific nerf to Zyok. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was having way too much fun with Thundercoil and newly buffed Dune Marchers oh, last Thundercoil season. Dune Marchers, you could just slam in and like one shot like five people. It was How like, many times did I get like five times kills using Syntheseps plus oh, uh, Thundercoil? Ballistic Slam and Thundercoil. Oh, oh my gosh. That so one good. game where you got. I think I want to say that because they just didn't learn. They kept grouping up they in like stacks of four people. I think you did it three <laughs> times in a single mm -hmm. game on Citadel. And that it was just good. the PvP. Anything, anytime I did PvE with you, it's like, ah, oh, where's Zyok? Oh, I'm over here punching stuff. Punch yeah, okay, one. sounds about right. <laughs> Can still do that with with uh, Dune Marchers. It just doesn't like double proc the the lightning. Yeah, which it's, is very sad. Yeah, in general though, I have absolutely loved the artifact system. I love that it allows you to you know get a little bit of a higher power level up above what your gear is at. Some people may have different opinions on that, but I like being able to go into stuff over leveled. Um bit cautious about that i i love the the mods even the ones that are broken and i think it's a good system because even if there are broken you know then they can go away for a season and it's not like it, it it kind of like gives you something fun to play with while avoiding power creep and i think that was one of the best things to come out of year three was the artifact system um oppressive darkness is back this season that is my favorite artifact mod in all of existence that's mine i'm I'm reading through them and I'm thinking uh, doing Hammer of Thor plus oh. Soul Texas and Worm God Press might be a way to go. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll play around between Worm God and, and uh, Hammer of Thor. Oh, God. Because increases damage of all solar melee abilities. Yeah, so just recently. Uh... And I wasn't planning on telling him because it's, it was like forbidden knowledge. But just recently in PvP, uh, John, on his, his own exploration, that if you have dude marchers on and you proc linear actuators and then pop somebody in the face with baby hammers from Middle Tree Solar Titan, it does pro it does zap things in the general vicinity. And so, then Tony made the what? mistake of actually picking that in the 2v2. I remember that you you, you zapped oh. them you zapped them a lot. It was crazy. Oh, it was so worth it. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, I, I don't know if I want to call that broken, but yeah, literal hammer of Thor going on there. Except it doesn't come back to you. You have to go pick it up yourself. That's that's <laughs> the only downside. That's okay. Everyone that's near it is dead. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know about that, it's a thing, and it's really really fun in both PVE and PVP. Because that hammer just, it kills everything. 
were doing 2v2 scrims and he just played the entire game with his only objective being to proc that effect with the hammer. He did get us once. I hit you with it multiple times, but one time it actually like worked out perfectly and just like one shot you guys. I think you killed Tony and I was like red bar instantaneously and I'm like, and it took a second to register. I'm like, oh God, he pulled it off finally. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but so I, I agree with these guys. I like the artifact a lot. Yeah, and artifact is, is super good. It's kind of like the an internal ranking thing where, you know, you get rewarded for playing the game more. So activities get easier, um, which is what kind of what we've been asking for for a long, long time. Because all the diehard players they just play the game nonstop. They didn't get a benefit before. They just knew how to play the game better but now they get rewarded for de for doing that so yeah with the unlock it. of additional mods and the yeah. boosted power is mm -hmm. overall I, I really can't think of anything they could do better with the artifact off the top of my head it's just they pulled it off really well right out of the gate in season of the undying yeah and and they i mean it gives us kind of a power cap that they can reset every season let them play around with it. it it does what they're claiming weapon sunsetting is supposed to do and it does it really well without like forcing you to to kind of care about what you're gaining or losing like thunder coil when it first came out was absolutely broken on bottom tree arc like you, you get one kill and you just punch somebody and they die so you could just go in as a titan, get a shotgun kill, and then just start punching things. Mm -hmm. And you would kill everyone you punched. And then let's not forget about uh, Thunder Coil with Liar's Handshake. Oh, yeah. Hunters. <laughs> yeah. Glad opened that can real fast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, it's funny. I, I almost think, uh, I almost think, I think Javi mentioned it earlier, but it's just as a side note like with the artifact mods and everything there's such a there's so much to explore every season even in some of the more boring seasons but if you burn through the content too quickly of course you're going to be bored a month into the season and it's so it's uh, i remember like last season was it was like glad was so bored that he faked an antaeus wards glitch and posted it Yes. as a prank like he faked it as deflecting the uh the white mechanic in riven's boss room or something yeah and it was like a complete hoax i'm like dude how bored do you have to be with the game to be messing around with stuff like that at that point it was hilarious though Is that what he was trying to do actually yeah like, yeah i saw the glitch but i i didn't know what he was trying to do two and two together yeah no it was it was a hoax yeah it was hilarious <laughs> I mean, they're currently working on the glitch of, like, Wither Horde just absolutely melting all bosses. The glitch that didn't work for us? Yeah, except when we try it, and then it doesn't. Yeah, well, we tried it out on Wednesday as a six stack in Garden, but it uh, it didn't proc, and I almost wonder if it's because not everyone in our six stack was using Wither Horde. I'd like to go back when, with a full fire team. That yeah, it could be. It could also just be that, like, uh, because we, we're not, like, stacked as six or something it's not getting enough random chances mm -hmm. i don't know if it's because of the the lack of random chance for it to happen or if it's because like you actually need six stacks of it to to cause the bug there's something going on with it but it it's just straight up a bug 
Another All thing right. they introduced with it, uh, sorry, just to go back a little bit, was the seasonal pass. Wasn't that? Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Season pass. What do you guys think about the pass. seasonal pass? Like the actual, you know, the page on your inventory. Um, you can tab over to seasons. Uh, what do you guys think about that thing? Because for me, it's it's oh, it's all right, but uh, I don't know. I I feel like they took too much influence from Fortnite and Apex, and I really feel like they should have made their own kind of pass. Because I don't like the repetitive armor. Um, it's cool, you know, that every like while you're progressing. It kind of progresses with you and then if you ever need to fill the gap on one of your mm -hmm. armors to mm -hmm. run out it's, it is handy but a lot of times i feel like i'm not even paying attention to it i'm like eventually i'll be like 20 20 levels in I'm like oh crap i forgot to go collect my stuff I'm ready to go do that now mm -hmm. and it's i i think it's just really gimmicky i'm not a fan of the dropping the the, the exotic the very first thing we get um, oh like gifting it to you i felt you yeah i kind of pass yeah yeah i mean it's a great reward system for a pass i understand why they did it but it it's starting to take away from what exotics really are because now it's almost like you're just getting handed exotics hobby you you were mm -hmm. there with me in d1 in d mm -hmm. where where when you got an exotic that. it was a memory I still remember where I got my very first exotic. Like, I can't tell you any time <laughs> in this past season or year where I remember where I got an exotic from, unless it was from the season pass or from a mission. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, I, mine's easy I on missed, that point, though. I, I miss the discoverability of finding exotics openly in the world and receiving a reward for doing something and instead of just it handed to me because i gave them money you know well, that, since, that's that's how i feel about it since day I do one like the they, ornaments, since day one they gift you an exotic from doing the mission doing the story yeah. missions They're like okay grab a ton lands thank you yeah but, that, that was yeah. in d2 i i'm not i'm really not a fan of that yeah it used, I, to, be, I, I it used to be crazy like I mean, hard to get there was people who had been playing for over three years and didn't get a Gallahorn. Like, that is how exotics We know should somebody. Be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we got you, Javi, who pulled six. <laughs> Not that much. I got four. But, <laughs> but I remember um, you having it for a long time. And yeah, I was, that was like, my I first... need this gun. This is the best gun in the game, period. That was my, that was my first exotic. You used it everywhere it. you go. And then I was like... I've kind of figured out how, you know, where the high rates are, and so I just kept doing those things over and over and over. It was mostly raids, so I had I got like probably 50 nightfall. plus clears. Yeah. Go ahead, Sil. I, uh, I definitely, I mean, I only have the D2 perspective on exotics, but I, I remember the very first exotic that I got was Wings of Sacred Dawn mm -hmm. when I started the uh, original Red, Red War campaign. And mm -hmm. I gotta say, it was a generally confusing experience because I, I all of a sudden there was this golden gear and I could only equip one piece of it. I actually was handed an exotic before I even understood what exotics were about mm -hmm. in D2. 
Yeah, um, true it wasn't me very memorable. I have to say, like, the most fun exotics to earn have been the ones with uh, quests behind them, especially when there's lore involved. Like, I mean, so, some of them do have kind of grindy elements, but I, I gotta say, like, I really enjoyed getting Thorn because in the process, learning the lore behind the uh, the, dre the dredgens, that kind of stuff. Or, um... Oh, God, what was a really good one? Um... I actually did kind of enjoy the quest for Bastion uh, back in Season mm. of the Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. For the State 14 background and lore involved in it. Um, I enjoyed not doing that challenge and just following some guide on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, it's all the all the memorable exotics in D2 have been the ones that required some sort of work behind them. Uh, like Izanagi's, Izanagi's is Ace of Spades is yeah. That's Ace of Spades one. is Bay. I have so many kills on that gun. Yeah, the, the final mission for Ace with the the recordings from Kate that was that was really good. I loved that. It also explored a part of the arcology that I hadn't been to before. Which uh, J John knows that it's a pet peeve of mine that they haven't done more with the arcology. Mm -hmm. Well, you know there is a rumor. That coming up with them taking away uh, planets, that uh, when they bring Titan back, that it, that the Arcology might be a uh, destination point for us in the future. Yes, please. A rumor, though. Just a rumor. I want, I want it really badly. This place I'd is so to, cool. I'd have to say though, my probably the most memorable exotic for me in D two, only because it has like a time frame and. A specific activity to it and me and Javi like spent all night trying to get it was when we did the whisper mission on launch day oh, yeah. and that's that's the stuff that I really want to see come back with exotics like that yeah. whisper mission me and Javi we, and another friend of ours uh, we did it on launch day and we stayed up all night until we got it and that, that, that so like I, I felt like we earned that like when I was using it in the wild I I earned that weapon. We were like probably in the top 100 of people getting that weapon in the game. Yeah. Javi, didn't we do something like that with Outbreak? I feel like that was... so, yeah. There's been that so was... much going on with the new dungeon, it almost made me forget about Outbreak. That was uh, that was an extremely yeah. fun quest. Yeah. Um, completing the dungeon to get Outbreak perfected. Um, obviously, I was not around for the original Outbreak in D1, which was supposedly a massive thorn in the side of the entire community until it got solved, but people stepped up and solved it back then. This time around, it was just a search and, uh, search and find puzzle, but nevertheless, it, being able to do a dungeon to get an exotic was uh, was loads of fun. Kind of like, uh, like Xenophage, actually. Finding the secret boss for Xenophage in the Pit of Heresy dungeon. I, I love stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. That's like that's Xenophage. how I feel like. Go ahead. I feel like Xenophage was kind of a letdown though, just because the gun itself at release was so bad. Uh, yeah, it was, it was kind like, of worthless. It was high but it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was like on release. It was like, oh, this is super cool. You, you get to go through, and the the boss mechanics to get it were really good. And then it's like, okay, so it's a machine gun that doesn't do precision damage and it fires really really slowly 
it has like terrible DPS, takes two shots to kill in PvP out of when you get like four. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> all right, so it's bad in PvP, it's bad in PvE, it's worse at ad clearing than like any other LMG. Like, where is where is the the purpose of this gun? Its purpose was to go into the vault until they buffed it. Right, <laughs> and it's just like it. When it was released, it was kind of in that in between section that was just so bleh that nobody was really excited when they actually got it. So it kind of just the yeah. quest was cool, but the gun itself was a letdown. Yeah, it kind of balanced out my experience with that gun. Um, so where were we at? We were talking about season passes, I think. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I I oh. will say though, out of the season passes, I what I do like is like getting some of the emotes and uh, <laughs> the ornaments, the ships. ornaments, all the chips. Yeah, that that stuff's that's nice. That and that stuff I feel like should be in the season pass. You know, it, it's Colors the ornaments and the golf balls that I like. Yes, I like that the too. Ornaments oh, and the golf yeah. balls. That's oh, right. Yeah. I, that is that is like one saving grace with the whole oh we're giving you a free exotic is that they also give you a cool ornament for the free exotic at the end of yeah. the season pass yeah but yeah, I, I, I do have to uh, like. yeah I have to agree with Luis's initial impression on season passes overall is that I don't pay a lot of attention to it it's I mean when st when stuff is flashing in my menus it bugs me so I usually don't mm -hmm. waste any time on claiming my gear. But it's not as though I'm actually thinking, oh, okay, 10 more levels and I can get this thing out of the season pass. Just when it happens, like, oh, cool, free stuff. I would um, like it if they would make it stop flashing when I hover over it so I don't have to sit there and be like, oh, I forgot to claim 9,000 Glimmer <laughs> at level 5. I think like, I'm sorry, I've been at 250 since out. the beginning of time. Yeah. It's... uh. The, the glimmer packages are kind of lame in there and pointless like i i don't know i don't know about that but it's uh just to give you an idea of how little i pay attention to my season pass rank i hit 352 last yeah, season dude that was insane um, and, and it was uh it, it was kind of a it was kind of a letdown because back in season of the dawn where i i cleared okay i, I hit 202 in season of the undying and then like 250 in Season of the Dawn. But in both of those seasons, like every five levels, you'd get a free Eververse Ingram, which was nice because I started racking up the weapon ornaments. Um, and then they removed that last season, which which made it, I made me pay even less attention to my season rank, especially after I got past 100. There's just like Probably nothing to looking get. at people like you and just being like, there are no ornaments for them to chase anymore. <laughs> Hey, that's that's not true. They introduced the ornaments tab under the exotic section this season, and there are a lot of ornaments that I don't I have. Before we switch topics uh, to, to wrap up the seasonal pass thing, Syl knows this. Uh, two seasons ago, I completed the whole you know season pass, and then I was like, oh, okay, I got a couple days before it resets. And for some reason, I never claimed all the items that I unlocked. Which was like three exotics and all the ornaments and everything. I just didn't really care for it. And I was just like, try to go back in and I just never did it. And I was like, that's, oh, well, whatever. I like, you can do it from Bungie. Yeah. And I went on there and then I didn't, didn't figure it out. And I was like, eh, it doesn't matter. That's just how it felt like the whole time. Like, eh, it doesn't matter until like last season I made an effort to like, okay, let me claim everything on all three characters. And then I was like, okay. I'm done. What's funny is this last season, 
I I hardly played this last season, so I actually had to buy silver so I could finish out this <laughs> finish out the season pass because <laughs> I wanted mm. all this stuff. <laughs> so overall impressions of uh, season pass is meh. Indeed. So, so yeah, we also got the introduction of champions, a new type of bosses, so to speak. We got the introduction of Ordeal Strikes, the Nightfalls, which we can go, go into a talk about how we feel about that that model. And we also had the Nightmare Hunts. Um, I, I didn't myself. I didn't play a lot of Nightmare Hunts. I did it a few times, but that's because uh, I didn't have a lot of people to play with. I didn't. I wasn't in a clan at that time. I actually recently found a clan. Um, but I didn't have anyone to play with at that time, so I just completely ignored it because it was pretty difficult to do solo. Yeah. Uh, and, and matchmaking for the lower parts was just horrendous because no one knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I don't have too much experience. What I will say, though, on my experience is um, I played D1, and going back to the moon was very very satisfying it was very cool to see the changes they had made to an already great destination that i have fond memories of i liked the um i liked the weapons that they had introduced uh, i liked the armor somewhat not all of it was great um the lost sectors though i i have to say those are my favorite lost sectors they've done um those were engaging. There was more to them this time around. They felt a little bit bigger. Um, and I wish that they would make more Lost Sectors like that because that's something I could see having some repayability as opposed to the ones we have now. Um, I, I loved how they introduced the darkness. Finally, after so many years of us not knowing anything about it. Um, so it... in. It's cool because not knowing what we know now on how much of an impact Shadowkeep had with the, for the future of Destiny was is, is something cool to look back on. Um, I'm indifferent to the new model of, of Night, Nightfalls. Um, I don't play them a whole lot. I I do some legendaries every once in a while if I manage to LFG and get a group together. I What I do like about it is rewards. Um, it's a healthy place to go and actually know where you can get compensated for your time. You put your work in, you are most likely going to get some pretty great rewards coming out of it. You're going to get advanced mods, you're going to get exotics. Um, so for me, I, I like the ordeal snipefalls um, if I have a team to play with. And if not, I'm just running it just to get my power level. Um. Yeah, when it comes to the ordeals, I, I think that they were generally an improvement. Um, I have, I didn't do a lot of the, I really couldn't do a lot of the, uh, what they now call Legacy Nightfalls until I got a fire team going because they were, of course, not match made. I, I knew nothing about LFGing, nor did I really want my first experience with the Nightfalls to be with a bunch of random guys because um, I was told they were pretty good content, but it, it, having done them, the uh, I don't know, the um, 
the the ex Nightfall exclusive loot that comes from the Nightfalls was a uh, kind of lackluster at best, and even more so now that all of it is getting sunset. Um, and some of those Nightfalls are actually going away. I think introducing the ordeal was a good system because for that entire week it enables you to get really good at that nightfall to learn the spots to be to avoid you know getting uh killed by major enemies or ripped to pieces by miners um to really learn it and then it also i don't know it, it tickles my desire to have built to build really good setups for pve um i uh was pleased to find out that I had the same idea as Esoteric, for example, when I found out that he's always maining top tree Voidwalker in those activities. Um, but it's I don't know about the I don't know about the the loot from the ordeals. I think the Nightfalls themselves were good, but it's it gives a small amount of enhancement materials. Doesn't really consistently give ascendant shards. And now the target for being able to do Master Rank Nightfalls is moving every season, so I constantly have a very low supply of those. Um, champions are cool. Uh, except for Fallen Overload Captains. Spongy can take oh, those yeah. and put them right back in the void where they belong. Yeah, those are pretty terrible. <laughs> I wish they would do something about the freaking Unstoppable Hand Cannon. Ah, oh, yeah, that's not working all the time. It's a buggy. Um, yeah. That's been around since last season. It's uh, sometimes you'll charge, you'll charge up that unstoppable shot, and it just doesn't go off. You have to reload your gun, wait a second, and then go for the stun again. It's it's super Once weird. Been sitting around doing nothing for three seconds now. Please make this actually stop the giant thing chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> you just like that's uh, um. They were talking about how I always like optimizing my mods. That's that's where it's like uh, when it stops working. I'm like, man, I'm really glad I put on enhanced hand cannon loader because this is totally what I needed it for to reload my weapon as fast as possible so that this mod will make the giant ogre stop running. <laughs> yeah, like, like panicking, it. reloading my hand cannon as I'm running away from an I beam, bobbing yeah. and weaving. I, I like them. They're they're challenging, and you can up the difficulty on all of them. So, just like Asil said, though, the rewards are not worth it. I even think the adjustable difficulty was a good system. Yeah, even the amount of uh, nice. even the amount of exotics you get from it, because that's probably one of the main resources where you can get exotics. Exotics I are I don't know. They're not really that rewarding anymore i don't know i, I don't mean, know it's hard to explain yeah it's i mean definitely i have gotten some good stat rolls of exotics yeah. out of nightfall the ordeal you know getting exotic i have like because i'm a warlock main i have some of the the newer or the rework most recently we reworked warlock exotics like sanguine alchemy and stuff like that i've got like 67 base stat rolls on those that i've gotten out of master rank yeah uh so that it is a good source of those, but at the same time, just like we were talking about earlier, it almost, that like really pulls away from the feeling of the, what exotics are supposed to be about, because it's just like, okay, I got another drop of this exotic that I already have one of each element of in the vault. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense for this exotic to be here, but sure, it just dropped from the giant hive eyeball. 
I don't know. It, it's it makes them feel significantly less special getting them from that activity. I do kind of wish that more exotics would be worth using. Yeah. I mean, there's so many... Regardless of whether or not you think Stompies are absolutely necessary on a hunter, it's like... It feels like you should have a niche or something where... Like, Mechaneer's Trick Sleeves is a better choice than Wormhusk. Or, or like... Or Tracer is actually going to give you more worth than, like, Dragon Shadow or something. It's like, it feels like there's... A lot of the exotics, like... Nobody uses Foe Tracer. Only like the very top competitive guys use Dragon Shadow because that that little tiny bit of of uh, reload speed or whatever actually helps them win. Nobody ever uses Lucky Raspberry, and you can just kind of go through the list and it's yeah. like you might find somebody very rarely that uses some of them. Aeons. <laughs> no. No one uses Aeons. I have a 66 base stat roll of Aeons from Master Rank Nightfalls. So that Why? was one of those... Exactly. That was one of those <laughs> peak moments of, hey, I got an exotic from this Nightfall. Wow, this is an extremely good stat roll. I'm never going to use it. <laughs> Bet it looks good in the vault. It does look really good in my vault right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm looking man. at it right now. I probably need to delete some Ursa Furiosas. For some reason, I have four sets of them, and they're occupying the vault. Yeah, I think it's it's something to laugh about, but it does it does uh, I, I I'm I'm conflicted because everything we're talking about kind of like amplifies the whole exotics don't feel very special anymore. But I don't know if I'd I'd rather it be completely back the other way because I, I I do still want to get sixty five stat roll exotics. Actually, oh. Phil, here's a fun point for you. I'm listening. The Aeon set from everything is so bad that the only one I don't, I didn't trash was the Warlock one for some reason. Every other set of, of uh, Aeon gear is, is totally trashed. I mean, understand. But I have three pairs of locked war mantis blue arms on my hunter <laughs> i would rather those. have these these war mantis arms than i would any aeon soul <laughs> like the, these these war mantis actually feel rarer than any exotic because they have the like oh my God, 20 they have like something 40 plus stat rolls on some items like yeah. one of them literally has a four a natural 40 recovery like what the heck <laughs> yeah um so we were we were on the topic of i think we hit nightfalls for the most part um nightmare yeah, hunts, yeah nightmare I hunts i'll cool. chime in on a little bit because i i know these guys aren't gonna be able to give You've me too much most. commentary <laughs> i i i have completed every master rank nightmare hunt time trial as of last season and the only thing stand be standing between me and Harbinger is a ghost shell that drops as RNG from the public event. So while I actually did really enjoy the challenge of the nightmare hunts and as well as the lore behind the nightmares, and it was actually my first introduction to certain figures from D1 where I went back and looked up their lore and everything because I never fought them when they were actually around as bosses. Um... It, it, it's 
it's uh the activities themselves are super fun i love the nightmare hunts they're they're short they're sweet they're challenging um i i really think that they didn't integrate them well with the less with the rest of the game when they released shadow keep i feel like most people actually forgot they even existed yeah for a while there um I, I know these guys did because later in season of the undying when i was uh on the pinnacle grind i i, I was trying to get teammates to do the master rank nightmare hunts and they didn't even remember how they worked or what they were about and i'm like you do know that these are a pinnacle activity with a pinnacle drop mm -hmm. right I'm like oh okay <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll learn but I, I, I think the they could have done so much more with them anything to me is because of trials <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think I, I did think... one, mm. like, I did one week of getting a pinnacle drop from the Nightmare Hunt. That was it. Yeah, and then I've been <laughs> uh, helping Psyok finally get through most of the Master Rank Nightmare Hunts for the, the Harbinger oh. title, just because they yeah, were we, there. We got um, all of them. Did you actually finish all of them? Yeah, that's good. But anyway, it's my general impression on them is that they were a really good activity. I love the idea, I love the execution, but they could have been so much more in the context of the game. Like, I don't know, they, they could have introduced some exclusive loot from the Nightmare Hunts rather than just having them give you a drop of the moon weapon bounties, which you can get anyway from other sources. Yeah, which oh, you yeah. can then ignore because none of those weapons are worth using. Yeah, exactly. I, I basically did the nightmare they don't have a lot of replayability because of that I, I now that i've completed those nightmare hunt time trials i don't think i'll ever do another nightmare hunt unless it's for a pinnacle drop um mm. the ex yeah the activities themselves were really good but they just feels like they weren't made to last or something not a lot of yeah. replayability not a lot of reason to go back yeah, yeah like especially once you learn it i'm mm -hmm. kind of looking at some of the the weapons and it's like I, I don't see any of the moon weapons as like worth bothering with like even the, the better ones like Optative is like it, I mean you know how I feel about 180s I went on a freaking rant about it uh, well Optative was Vex offensive that yeah, was, yeah. That, was, that was from that, the season yeah that's, that's <laughs> that not was a completely like... different problem <laughs> but like it, I mean the, the other the alternative is the loud lullaby, which is probably the worst 110 hand cannon, and that's in a bad classification anyway. It, like, it looked I, nice. <laughs> I don't know. I I can't think of any of the, the theoretically the the LMG is is good on paper, but it has so much screen shake that it makes it unusable. Yeah, snipe. Sniper is maybe the best one. That's probably but, it. I have a couple yeah. of those around. Yeah. Tranquilities. Mm. But there's there's better versions. Like there's there's better snipers to use. You aren't wrong. In in any in any situation. Um. But yeah. I, uh, so I'm kind of. Uh, I enjoyed them, but I I I don't think that they're going to leave a mark in anybody's mind as an extremely fun activity from D2 because most people probably haven't even done them. Yeah, that's yep. true. And having done the time trials, like honestly, they were pretty freaking easy. Like, I mean, if you take into account that like 
I mean, Sill's really good at PvE, so having him on the team makes it much, much easier. Like, they, they didn't take more than, like, one or two tries to actually do it. And if it only takes, like, one or two tries to do it, it's probably not that hard. Even, uh, even Crota, which was by and large supposed to be the hardest of the uh, Nightmare Hunts, it, we failed it the first time we attempted it, but then we just fixed our loadouts the next time it came back around and got it on the first try, I think? It was something like that. It, I mean, it was... It was first or second try. It was pretty easy to do when we came back to it because we both knew what we were doing. And I think didn't like extra C try and join or something and he just oh, threw everything off because he pulled the ball he pulled Crota going the wrong way <laughs> yeah he, he like joined in mid uh, mid activity when we were basically two manning it and actually somehow managed to bring the team down I, I I still to this day don't remember exactly what he did I think he just started yeah like you said aggroing stuff away from where we needed it to be to do damage to it and that kind of stuff and yeah running the wrong made direction it where like you couldn't get over Crota's uh, sword attack when you tried to jump over him to, to hit him with the sword oh, yeah. and it kind of just like he can one shot you so you try and jump over him and he just smack you out of the air like a fly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a pretty accurate description. So, yeah, other than that, like, they're just too easy. Like, I mean, a lot of memorability, um, a lot of remembering things is, like, how mu how hard did it, did you have to work to get it? And with the Nightmare Hunts, that's not very. Yeah, my general impression after having been in D2 for over a year, though, is that most of the extremely challenging PPE activities are actually not that challenging, as long as you have the right build and you know where to hide. Honestly, is... I'm, I'm finding a lot of it is the, the challenging PVE activities are not challenging if your teammates know what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's pretty apt. Um, sorry, I, I we we got distracted on the the topic of uh, whether things are challenging or not. I think we were discussing different new content that was introduced. I don't know where mm. we're at now. Well, yeah, now we can we can move on to uh, talking about the season, the actual season, which um, I don't know. Before we go on to that, I want to put my biggest gripe as a D2 only player on the field. And it, it, it kind of bleeds into the seasonal model as well. Okay. And it's my complaint came with Shadow Keep. And Shadow Keep was awesome. There's tons of new stuff, an entirely new planet for D2 players. And um I hated it, not because I dislike the moon or any of the content of the moon, but because it's all Destiny 1 content. And the issue there is that it's not something that's like totally new, completely like this is the product that we've been working on that, that Bungie's like excited to show for the first time. It's like, 
all the Destiny 1 people are, are looking at this like, hey, look, let me show you the Hellmouth. And it's like, wait, so what has Bungie been doing? They're just rehashing the graphics? They're just like introducing a couple new dungeons or something? Well, they had to rebuild the entire environment from scratch. It's not like it wasn't, it wasn't a copy-paste thing. But my, my complaint on it is like, they, the moon is known. This isn't new content. It's it's a, a revamping. It's like the when Final Fantasy VII is being remade. It's like there's a lot of new stuff in it, but at the end of the day, the game is it's the same one. Well, yeah, what I think that Bungie was trying to do is they, I, what I think is, I think they finally realized what a mistake it was not to have all of those initial destinations from D1 in the game. So I feel like they're trying to bring them back because maybe they never wanted them to go away to begin with. And that was vision by Activision. That's purely speculation on my part, but it does yeah. things. It does two things. It allows them to bring back a nostalgic mm -hmm. play space, a nostalgic play space where, yeah, D1 veterans will like it. Or hate it because I knew I do I do know there's some D1 people who are upset because they did play that for three years. Why do they want that back again? And there's other people who are like, oh yeah, the moon. I love the moon. It was great. So I, that's where I feel like that came from was a little bit of nostalgia, a little bit of they feel like they never should have taken it out to begin with, and maybe they felt like new players wanted to see that. Yeah, as, as somebody who'd never seen it before, I thought it, the content was pretty cool. Uh, I just, that kind of started this whole thing where I'm, now I'm looking out and like every every new piece of content I see, I'm, I'm looking at the effort that Bungie's actually putting into it. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not necessarily just looking at it as like, how is this fitting into the game so much as is this something that is like a copy paste item or a rehashed idea? Or is this something that's actually new to the community? Like, honestly, like Menagerie was, was great because it, it was something that was a good loot source. It was a great idea. There's this like mini dungeon thing. And it was really cool. And everything that we've seen basically since like the, the Shadow Keep. I'm like, what? We've seen that before. We've seen that here. This isn't like a new dungeon. This is so. I'm, I'm like looking at at things less from a standpoint of like, how much do I, I enjoy playing it? To have I seen it before? Yeah. And I'm I'm not liking that. I have to actually look at it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that's where Shadow Keep started going on, and that goes into the the seasonal model, because what are what are the last two seasons we've had? Season of the Bounty and Season of the Bounty Part Two. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I hate to be like super negative about it, but honestly, the only things I remember about the last two seasons is how many fucking bounties I did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, uh... Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> Even from my perspective, I had the Almighty title, like, in the bag. I, I want to say, like, I had 
both the moon and EDZ bunkers completely upgraded the like four days before the IO bunker even released last season asking but then the bounties were just too much for me if if I'd actually continued to do the weekly and daily warmind bounties that were like the staple of the content last season I can't even imagine what my seasonal pass rank would have been by the end of last season and as it was I stopped doing the bounties after the first month and had a season pass rank of 352 it's it was getting to be a little bit much last season um i think shadowkeep was better in that respect um i i do it you know it's possibly because it had actual new activities and with the nightmare hunts and the ordeal there, there was a lot to explore going on there but then like it also did start the whole i don't know the slowly creeping poison of bounty grinding they, they started it in the form of you actually had to two moon bounties to progress the campaign. Yeah, that's... that's I don't know if y'all remember yeah, that. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was... Uh, it, it was... Shadowkeep was not that bad in terms of the, the whole bounty thing, but it was the start of a problem <laughs> that got worse and worse, probably peaking last season. And then also introduced... Season of the Undying was also the introduction of the six man activities that were more or less the same every season starting with super easy vex offensive flashbacks right now to be honest Mm -hmm. yeah Um, well it it was like it was fun at first but after a while it was i i legitimately remember falling asleep while doing it i think you told me about that yeah i (laughs) i I remember that happening i uh (laughs) I think I was the only one in our whole clan to get the Undying title because I was uh, I didn't have anything better to do at the time, and so I was the only one willing to put up with that much Vex offensive. Yeah, um, I I was like following the triumphs, then I saw what the the last couple requirements were, and I was like, uh, yeah, never mind. I don't need to spend that kind of time doing the same thing. Yeah, it's um. It's going, coming forward with seasons, though. It's I remember a minute ago, uh, John mentioning something about where he's almost looking at new activities through the eyes of "Have I done this before?" And I remember, like I like I talked about it. It's the the whole problem with lack of effort into content and extra bounties and everything has been a creeping issue since Shadowkeep. But. Um, I remember going into Season of the Dawn and thinking that the seasonal content was much cooler than Season of the Undying with uh, the whole sundial and everything until I actually did the sundial and realized that it was Menagerie Part 2. That was like the first moment where the feeling that Zyok was talking about hit me where I'm like, hold on, this is not new content at all. These mechanics are copy-pasted from menagerie um it's uh i don't know how much of that they did this past season i mean there wasn't even really the seasonal activity was not even really an activity to speak of serif towers i don't know i don't know about that one it's uh I'm hoping that this season seems like it's going to be better anyway. The uh, this the public event is not nearly as repetitive as the other as Seraph Towers were. 
Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that they will continue to get better with the release of Beyond Light in terms of creating se in, not story content, but seasonal content that doesn't make me roll my eyes reading the description of it. All right. Well, so to wrap up the Shadow Keep, we'll, we'll talk about the pretty much the last piece of content that we could really discuss, and that would be the raid. So, I can't again can't speak too much on it. I haven't even finished the raid. Um, every time I manage to get a team together, we don't get very far. So, that's on my bucket list of things to do. However, um, I'm sure you guys have probably tangled with it more than I have. So go ahead and speak on speak on the raid. Raid and, sucks. And God. how it compares to the Last Wish, which is pretty much regarded as the best raid in D2. The the raid sucks. The Wither Horde thingy doesn't even bug it out. Oh, that's where we were going with this? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just mad that their bugs didn't work correctly. Um, <laughs> Garden of Salvation. How many clears do we have? Let's see. I don't know. Uh, I, I, like, well, somewhere. Four or five? Four. I can start, actually, the one piece of content that I can discuss about Garden of Salvation was a bit of bad press on Bungie when they decided to rehash armor from one of the worst DLCs in Destiny history and they reused the Osiris armor and used it for raid armor. Now, what I can't speak on in that is that was one of the worst decisions that they've ever done. Um, while the armor does look pretty and it's got the cool lights on it, um, I think that was... that. I, I never want to see that happen again. Hold on. They, they give us raid armor that's supposed to be special and pinnacle rewards, and all it was was a redone version of old DLC armor. Wait, wait, wait. Garden armor was a rehash? Oh, yeah. Really? It was, I didn't yeah, first time I've ever heard that. It was a rehash of uh, the Osiris armor. <laughs> the oh. Trials? No, no, no. Oh. From the from the DLC. Uh... Okay, See, I, I, I literally never heard cool. that before. I, I didn't have that perspective on it. Um, Same. I, uh, yeah, as a D two only player, that that's that's kind of weird. They just added texture to it. Um, they added texture to it, different colors, and they gave those lights on it. Okay. I'm, um, I'm... No, I don't, I don't know if that since I never experienced the whole DLC you're talking about, I don't know if that necessarily takes away from my opinion of the raid itself at all. Though it does contribute, it it kind of is consistent with the trend we were just talking about about the, how the past year has been a lot of rehashed contents, and hopefully it'll get better in the near future. But as far as the raid goes, um, it, it is I like it. I I do. I do enjoy Garden of Salvation, um, but it, it's not my favorite. The mechanics are super unforgiving because there's a lot of encounters where your team is really spread out and it's not, you're not able to easily relieve people or go to revive people if they die. Um, but in your clan, you're not supposed to die. <laughs> you aren't wrong, but you know, some people don't manage to follow the rules around here. 
Many of us are not very consistent with that. <laughs> it, it, it's more like an aspiration, I think, at this point, yeah. than a rule. But um, can we talk about how the aesthetics of it, though? Oh, oh yeah, that's, right. that's where oh, I was yeah. going with this. That, that is, I mean, don't no no offense to our resident Last Wish apologist Zayok uh, here, but. I, I love the inside of the Black Garden a lot more than I do the inside of Last Wish. I like the the whole garden aesthetic more than the whole blighted Dreaming City thing that they have going on in there. Um, it, it's to date the prettiest destination in Destiny that I have been to is inside of the Black Garden. Remember, like one night a while back, we literally just went in there to try and like glitch our way into the tallest places that we could get to just to get good views. I posted screenshots uh, of that a while back. Yeah, I think we spent like three hours literally just jumping around mountains. <laughs> yeah, we managed to like well, get And then we get spent three hours jumping around Fellwinter's Peak when that came out too. Yeah, Fellwinter's uh, Fel was a... That was a close second. I, I enjoyed exploring exploring that map and how much of the actually outside the Crucible map is actually filled in. Yeah, with nothing stuff. compared with the view from the from uh, the peaks of whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't remember. I keep wanting to call him Insurrection Prime, and then I'm like, no, that's that's definitely Consecrated not Insurrection mind. Prime. Oh. Consecrated Mind? Consecrated Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the, the, being able to climb up the peaks there and see out over all of the, the flowers on what I, I think is supposed to be a landscape from Venus. Like, I think it doesn't technically exist on the surface of anywhere. Um, it's just fantastic visually, and I really do have to stop sometimes in the raid to just appreciate that more than the mechanics or the difficulty. Uh, sometimes appreciating the aesthetics is what keeps me from yelling at people who are making stupid mistakes for the fifth time in a row, but <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. I like um, I like the raid. It's a good yeah. like entry level raid, I think. Except the boss is just buggy. Except for the boss, yeah, the, the boss is, is freaking hard. It feels entry level until that last encounter when you get your butt kicked by yeah. the consecrated mind ten times in a row. I feel like it feels entry was level until you do the 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 part where you actually have to kill the the first boss, and you realize that everybody that you're you're raiding with is completely clueless. <laughs> because for some reason you can't finish what should be an easy encounter. Uh yeah. <laughs> that uh that third encounter with people not going after the Minotaurs fast enough or dropping their moats or not running to getting losing track of where the moat banking station is. Like, oh what corner were they in? It's the corner where there's already a player. Where are they at? Uh um, yeah. Yeah, honestly, like the raid in general is is pretty easy. The fact that that up until the basically the boss, everything is theoretically pretty freaking easy. Like the first encounter is like you can mess up as many times as you want, and you're probably still gonna beat it. Yeah. Second one, it's like just don't die. Basically, as as long as like two people are kind of on point with getting back and forth it's like you, you can pretty much just clear the encounter without any like real brain power from the other four like you, you stay there you kill the things and you don't die 
Like, it, it's it's super easy on that one. I guess that's where you you learn who's still awake. <laughs> After that, one is like, wait, hang on. Exactly. Now I actually have to like remember to pick up ten votes. Yeah, I have to say the Garden of Salvation has led me to discover that a lot of our clanmates, uh, especially the ones who are in time zones ahead of Pacific Standard Time, suffer from something that I like to lovingly call sleepy dumbass disorder. Yeah. Which is when we're doing the raid encounter and it's like 8 o'clock for us, it's actually 11 p.m. for them, and even though they haven't said anything about how tired they are, they're not awake whatsoever. And they start making the stupidest mistakes or completely losing track of what part of the encounter we're on and what they're supposed to be doing. It's, uh... It, so it's it's definitely, uh... Like, Garden of Salvation um... is a raid... I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I'd say it's it's easy. Uh, I, I disagree on that. I'd say it's, uh... Well, no, Okay. It's easy, but it's not simple. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. been our general experience with it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Basically, it's not we're simple. looking forward to bringing Luis in, subbing yes. out one of our leaders. <laughs> we, we, we need a reliable, we need more people who can we can rely on to actually be paying attention because they aren't half asleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got one last thing to, to tie up. Shadow Keep and finishers. What are you guys' thoughts on finishers? I think they're cool. I like them. They're a nice little addition to the game. They are fun, especially when you're just you forget about them. Because I happen to do that sometimes. I just end up just killing enemies and forget mm -hmm. the light on top of their head. But when you actually do it, and if you have the rotator on like I do, and it rotates to one of your favorite finishers, it's a nice little touch. I, I like it. It's, yeah, with finishers, I, I don't have strong opinions on them, but all of the opinions that I do have are positive. I don't think I've ever equipped a mod. Like, I have all of them, but I've never equipped a mod that takes advantage of finishers. Like, the one give, that it consume your super and give you special or heavy ammo uh, or restore your grenade you were or able something. to get armaments from raid drop. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've having to use the, those but it's like it's like at worst finishers are just a a fun way to just kill something and at best in high level content it actually is one of the best ways to save your heavy and green ammo when fighting champions yeah, for yeah. example because it's like every time you use a finisher is like two more sword swipes that you didn't have to execute and there's actually a mod that uh if you if you do a finisher, you can actually get charged with light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they do play into the, uh, the the other seasonal mods like charged with light. And um, of course, I think you can tie together being charged with light with war mine cells. So they have they have done some good, good interplay there. And then it, the other thing is that when finishers do go wrong, it, it's always hilarious. Um, everybody mean, remembers like... being able to eat bosses off the map. Yeah, they bring out. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. We spent then, like yeah. four hours trying to yeet 
insurrection prime off the map <laughs> and then we're like you know what screw it teleported back onto we'll, the map screw it we'll just beat him the normal way and it took us like five minutes <laughs> yep. we're way too efficient at scourge though to be honest well it better be too many still need it like a diamond all right um, well, we'll, we'll yeah. let's let's rapid fire oh, uh, hang on there okay. is one bad thing about finishers and that is if your allies are too close to you when you're executing a finisher, they can be a little bit buggy and murder people. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I have killed this. John with a finisher. On a before. flawless run, you <laughs> <laughs> And I have been killed by a finisher before in a... Uh... I think it was like a master rank nightfall. I remember it now. Okay. Is Pyramidian right as you go down the giant steps into the Pyramidian and they had those barrier hobgoblins located at the bottom. And we were going in for the throat on one of those barrier hobgoblins on the left side. And I was behind it and John ran up and finishered it while I was using my sword. <laughs> and the finisher knocked both the barrier hobgoblin and me directly into the wall behind it, killing, <laughs> killing me instantly. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's rapid fire uh, the the seasons following Season of the Undying up until the current season now. Um, I'll start off. Season of Dawn was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved them bringing in Saint 14 and the lore behind Saint 14 and the crazy time travel loop that they managed to fit in there. Um, I liked the obelisk grind um, a lot, a lot more than what we've had in the other seasons. So my biggest takeaway from Dawn was it was great. I enjoyed the actual, um, the festival of Dawn. That was fun. They brought back the oven and I enjoyed that while we had it. and. There, there's really not a whole lot of negativity I can I can come out of season of Dawn. Um, maybe maybe uh, that community event that <laughs> went so terribly. <laughs> the you mean the one event? where I can yeah, the stonks. <laughs> the, the one um... where I can kind of look at it and put on my emblem that says I donated like nine thousand <laughs> fractaline, and I'm like, yep, I'm like the worst team player in this game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of forgot that that was a community event for a second there, because the most recent community event in my mind is uh, 9 million Seraph Tower Clears. Oh, um, oh, but much. sticking to Season of the Dawn, I, I did really enjoy it. The Sundial was kind of lackluster, as I mentioned earlier, because it felt like Recycled Menagerie, but that wasn't a problem for me, because I only did as much Sundial as I had to. The rest of the season, with the whole fractaline and obelisk upgrade system and being able to roll for the weapons you want i think i have god rolls of literally every weapon that was available from the obelisks yes yeah, can we lovingly not. call that season of the loot because that was the only time that i can remember where bungie was just like you know what you want loot what do you want we have it in so many different varieties yep 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 we I got agree. everything you want it with uh, yeah there's actually uh yeah, anyway, that was really, really enjoyable. Um, there's uh, one of the lore entries from this season actually has a joke about that with the shotgun that Saint is currently holding. Um, that's completely random side note, but I was reading it last night and it's uh, um, talking about how, oh, it has tack mag. A lot of time must have been put into this one. <laughs> um, 
but anyway, yeah, no, my my experience in Season of Dawn was generally positive. Uh, being the massive PVE sweat that I am, I completely had my obelisks all maxed out halfway through the season. And then in the process of just, you know, getting rid of my excess Fractaline in exchange for farming weapon rolls during the last stage of the, uh, the season where you could get, like, 25% progress on weapon bounties for every... Oh, yeah. Fractaline donation. I want to say I got my EDZ obelisk up to like level 110. Jeez. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was generally positive. I absolutely loved the Sate 14 lore and going into the past to save some guy who was really cool and had pet pigeons, but I'd literally never seen him before. And it's just like, okay, this guy is apparently a hero, and come to find out you're actually his hero i liked that twist and everything. yeah that was really cool i liked that a lot too yeah it was yeah a generally positive experience there agreed I, I think it was a little bit repetitive not the best but i generally have just good opinions of it i think it had some issues there were some boring things and for guys christ's sake the loot was just raining from the skies I don't know if I could handle it being like that every season. I'd actually probably like get tired of cleaning my vault out. <laughs> we did get Vorpal Weapon too, which was a nice addition. Speaking of Vorpal Weapon. We do weapon, like Vorpal. I have I have Vorpal Weapon on the new season of Arrival's Boltcaster Sword. If you don't nice. have one yet, you should get Oh one. yeah, I have it too. Is it, that the is, it is tasty. Yeah. Uh... I'm right, trying so. to get my light level higher before I go for that. So, season of me, the... I have about a thousand more to go. <laughs> so, season of the worthy. Oh god, I, I could say for a fact that I checked out like a weekend, like maybe two weeks in. I was like, nope, this is not the season for me. Uh, I was super amped for Rasputin to be back. I was super amped for Anna to be back. I was super amped for the Warm Mind Cell mods. And then they give me the freaking bunker. And having to go back and redo that every single day just to get a bounty. And then on top of that, do the legendary last sector when in the beginning I couldn't do it by myself because I was too low light. So then I had to go and try LFG. And then I'd spend maybe an hour or two trying to get just to get that done. And having to repeatedly do bounties over and over again over and over again, over and over again. I I, le I, I checked out. I, I I left the season. I started playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare and started playing the Battle Royale, and I only hopped back in like the last week, <laughs> the last two weeks, just to finish out the season pass and get some weapons that I wanted. And I didn't even get those weapons. So <laughs> I, I, I don't have very nice things to say about Season of the Worthy at all. It was completely lackluster. It let me down tremendously. And the best thing to come out of it was Trials. And guess what? It sucked too because of stupid hackers. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. It's, um, I, I think our, our favorite phrase, I want to say John coined this one a while, a little while ago, is because, you know, everybody is everybody has mocked Bungie up and down for trials and every single video that comes out about the mocking that always has the audio of them saying we don't want it to come out half-baked <laughs> I mentioned that to John he goes I don't even think they put it in the oven uh, mm, yeah 
So yeah. you, you guys can speak on this season because I, I didn't participate. I didn't participate right. either. I, season of the Worthy. This is coming from somebody who actually did the Season of the Worthy content. I would like to personally throw out my thanks to Bungie for making their seasonal content so boring that the PvE main known as Sill went and got Legend in comp for the first time. Because <laughs> he had nothing better to do. Yeah. I, I had the... I mean, the boringness of it aside, I, I am a massive PvE sweat, so I had my bunkers fully upgraded a month into the season, and after that I was, like, mentally checked out. I spent the rest of the season going back and finishing content that I finishing collections badges doing titles i got both wayfarer and Cursebreaker last season that is how much free time i had on my hands it, it was crazy I, I basically season of the worthy for me was like 30 days of doing actual seasonal content and an additional 70 days of doing everything that bungie has come out with up until now <laughs> season of the catch-up it was season yeah. of the catch-up for me, I, I I would have to agree. That's that's a good way to describe. It. I'm kind of looking at what their their like list of things they brought out in Season of the Worthy, and my list of positives are like more stuff for Anna Bray, who to me is one of the most interesting characters in Destiny. More uh, the trials weapons are are all almost all pretty good. Like it, the Summoner, the, the Astral Horizon, and the Eye of Soul are all yep. pretty good in their class. Summoner is a beast. Astral Horizon is secretly Felwinter's lie in disguise as a kinetic weapon. And Eye of Soul is just waiting for its big brother, Revoker, to disappear and <laughs> for him to take the spotlight. Yeah, it, it'll be the best. It'll definitely, I mean, it, they it are... will be the best sniper when, when Beloved and, and Revoker go away. Yeah. It's uh, the the loot from Trials was was satisfactory. The experience with Trials last mm -hmm. season was not so much. I think the best we managed to do was get to five wins because we aren't PvP gods. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a couple of weekends where last season where um, we were trying to get to five wins and we we fell victim to the card based matchmaking of Trials and. These guys both know I have horrible luck when it comes to Trials matchmaking. I had two weekends this season where we were going for our fifth win and we just kept losing. And it gets down to make or break. You've got two losses, four wins on your card. Are you going to get your five win loot or are you going to have to start your card over? The first time around, we queued in to Makowski doing carries. And the, the second time, you got a Randy from Bomb Squad K. <laughs> Yeah, which is it's the number one PvP clan in the game. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so my general experience with Giles was, I, I mean, I don't know how many people we ran into that were very obviously hacking. There were a lot of people that we were pretty sure were hacking, but I, I can't say. But it's just been an experience in getting good for me. Maybe even more so than comp because I run into ridiculous people in that game mode. Not yeah, just because they're hacking. Um, I'd say that being able to participate in trials for the first time, however half baked it was, was probably one of the more positive things to come out of last season. Um, really solidified our teamwork, not just uh, as a as a fire team in PvP, and 
help me build my skills with being able to hit snipe sniping shots and everything. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, going into trials, I thought I was pretty good. Coming out of trials, I know I'm better than I was going in by a lot. Our teamwork is better. Our players, like the people who are consistently doing carries to at least three wins. So yeah. Javi, me, Sil, Tony, we're all way better. Playing against Tony with this fucking sniper is... You put a sniper in Tony's hands. You can't look around a corner anymore. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. You have to slide through it or jump over or something. If you peek mm -hmm. it, you're dead. <laughs> it's the sticks. So... It's like the people playing who played trials consistently, the four of us actually going into it, we're so much better now than we were going at when we started it. I mean, when we did the legend run for Sill, it really wasn't that hard. So, as much as trials came out totally raw, I mean, we were we were fully cooked by the time we came out of it. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good way to express that. It's um, maybe it was just they'd only just put it in the ovens and we were still cooking. Maybe that's what happened. Well, isn't that <laughs> isn't that the what Destiny is as a whole? <laughs> uh, trial by fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I mean they don't call of... it the Crucible for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Of course, Saint calls the Crucible Shax's little baby playtime. <laughs> so I, I don't know about that. It was, it I don't was know cool. if you've ever gotten that voice line on a Trials win. Trials was um, good for like three weeks and then it got old. It, yeah, it's it's kind of back and forth. It, it seems so much based on like matchmaking and, and like whether or not people are actually grinding. Because if, if you're on one of those days where it's like the only people left playing are the streamers, just just stop. It's not worth playing it. Now, did you guys hear about the uh, the changes they made? Mm -hmm. So, do you guys think that with this new system in place, that it's going to be it's going to create a better environment in trials? Maybe a little or bit. Do you, or do you still think the cheaters are going to just plow their way through doing that content and still make it in? Some will get right. in, but not as much as there was before. I think what it is, the people, there's still going to be people who are going to use aimbot or hacks and trials, but the people who do it are going to be actually taking on a risk now. Um, it, it's up until now, it's been really easy to, you know, get a throwaway account, spend like maybe an hour or two getting it up to light level for trials and everything um, by grinding the most efficient loot sources or whatever, and then you just hop. In and you can start smashing kids with a sniper rifle at 960 light because you don't miss your headshots. Um, it's, uh, I think that's going to go away now. People who want to hack in trials are going to have to take on the commensurate risk of that's probably not a throwaway account for them because you have to put in enough time to hit legend and valor on that, uh, on that account and to get those kills and elimination. I think that's going to be more of a barrier than people think it seems like something simple but a lot of the mentality behind p 
people hacking in trials is that they do it because it's easy. And if you make it not as easy to get to the point where you can even enter trials, it even if it's just making them play Crucible for an entire day or something, it's it's gonna help. Yeah, yeah I, think so. I think it'll help a lot, actually. Maybe not like tons, because a, a lot of the people, it's like, well, it's not really that hard, especially if they're doing like aimbotting or something. Like, the 50 kills thing, honestly, I think it should be like 100, 150. If you're actually playing all the way through your uh, Valor reset, that shouldn't be an issue. <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, a lot of like what was it two days ago i i walked away with a 37 kill game like if you're good that that 50 kills is only going to take you like two games yeah yeah if it's... so if you're hacking you hack you play like two games where you're actually like hacking your way through it and then you just afk in rumble for like overnight or something yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's still going to be a margin of people who don't want to do it anymore, though, because even that's too much effort to them. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll it, see it'll help a little though. bit, though, for sure. I, I, do, yeah. I think the idea is good. I think they just maybe set the requirements too low or something. Yeah, and I think that that's something they might toy around with more. This is something that they, they at first they said they had an idea of what they wanted to do, but they said it wasn't concrete. So now that they have this put out. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna put the feelers out, see how it works, and then make adjustments. Yeah, they'll probably have you know the statistics that we don't see about how many people are getting hit with bans for hacking, or how many people are getting reported for hacking and that kind of stuff in the game. And if they see those numbers definitively drop this season, that means it's working. Um, if they only and they'll if they only see it drop a little bit, maybe that tells them they need to raise the bar even more. They they'll learn. Um, that that has been my experience with Bungie ever since they dropped Shadowkeep. Is that stuff generally does not continue to go in a downhill direction forever. They're they're gonna learn from their feedback and statistics, even if it doesn't seem like they're listening. The next season afterwards, it might take two seasons, but I'm here to play the game i'll be sticking around until those improvements come and just dealing with whatever whatever i have to to enjoy the game the way that i enjoy it um speaking of changes to trials though uh they did also drop some major changes to the reward system that i think is going to make trials generally more playable um the whole switch over to the the three five win reward three five seven win rewards. Of course, oh, yeah. I haven't been able to see whether um, whether the tokens that pay out at five and seven are enough to discourage people from farming the first three wins. But hopefully, it'll lessen the likelihood of me playing against absolute PvP gods on my first game of the weekends. Not that that's not a bad warm up. <laughs> yeah, isn't good, that good. taken into effect like? In a week or so, I, I mean, you know, whenever trials gets re-enabled, yeah, you know, so right now it's, this it's I think they again. did say it was going to come into effect though, like in two weeks. Yeah. but now we just lost a week, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. But all right, we'll, well 
I'm looking forward to it because I didn't I didn't jump. Uh, obviously, I was gone last season, so I didn't get a chance to jump in. So I'm actually gotta get that shot. Strive- yeah, I'm striving to hit my light up so I can actually jump in there and actually have some fun. Because yeah. my my current clan is they all they do is play PvP, so it's gonna be fun. Well, jumping. those those three weapons we mentioned before are definitely top tier and should be acquired at all costs. Yeah, I want. I have sold really bad. Summoners, beast. And Astral Horizon is secretly the best shotgun in the game. Yeah, secretly it's not uh, secret. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you might have to grind a little bit for your Astral Horizon, or you might be like me. (laughs) I I, I got it out of my very first token drop on my very first... I was quite mad about that. three wins and trials, because (laughs) we're literally, like, we load into the tower and we're running on the way to Saint, and I'm like, so you were telling me about how good this shotgun is, but what would be, like, the god roll? He's like, oh, well, probably, like, full choke and then quick draw opening shot, and I'm like, hey... Hey John, he's no. It was like it was like a repeat of the experience when I finally got my uh, my quick draw snapshot beloved on my very first run of heroic, heroic menagerie with uh, Javi, and just, just finishing that up and, and being like, hey, hey Javi, he's like, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, like, uh, I have find absolutely... that thing for like months. Yeah, I, I have absolutely horrible luck with raid exotics, despite my bent for PvP. Um, maybe not as bad as some people, but it still did take me 23 clears of Scourge to get my first Anarchy drop. In that time, I want to say, uh, John had, like, three of them? Four. Four. Four, I had, yeah. I had two. But then, despite my not necessarily... My, my hate, my love-hate relationship with PvP, I have a really, a really good, uh, RNG for PvP god rolls. There's a funny story with that, too, because Sil came into work that morning. And he just showed me the picture of the gun. And the first thing I said was, what did Zyrex say about that? (laughs) (laughs) I I must have had, like, the biggest grin on my face when you asked that, too. (laughs) All right. That that one pissed me off. I have so many. (laughs) I I grabbed, like, I don't don't know, 15 or 20 engrams before trying to get that thing. And then he gets it on his first one. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This friggin' first one gets the shotgun that I was trying to get. I and then I, I I held that over him until he finally got it. because Which was another like four shotguns later. Yeah, it, it, after I finally got it, it didn't take you very long. But you grinded a long time for that. Yeah. Before we finish the next one, I want to talk about aesthetics again. Because... Aside from the Chad Hunters and the Osiris stuff, what is up with the freaking Frog Hunt or Frog Titan (laughs) and the the, like Lux armor set with his little parka for the Titan? Yeah, the Warlock part. Yeah, the the Titan like vest. I am. I'm not familiar with with Russian military garbs, so I cannot. I I can't speak on it, but. I've, I've never seen anything so funny in my life. 
seeing that reveal where you just have like the you just have like the warlock with the the freaking like fur lined coat and the hunter with the uh looks like you, the hunter looks like he's built like a titan and then you got the titan standing there with this freaking like green vest on and the stupidest looking hillman you have the like hyper beta titan over there and then like chad hunter and i'm like <laughs> I, I honestly saw that completely backwards the first couple of times. I was like, oh, the Titan looks hella bad, badass. And somebody's like, no, that's the Hunter. And I was like, what? People were actually arguing with it over it online because there were a lot of people who had the same... Oh, the same wait, are we talking thing. the ornaments? Yes, the universe oh, ornaments. The, the I know what you're talking titan. about, though, too. Yeah. Both of them. Talking both about the frog titan was the like... Swole hunter, what? right? The swole the, hunter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The swole hunter and the, the like, super beta shader on it. <laughs> I mean, the seasonal ornaments were, for the titan weren't much better. Like the, the, the... You got freaking, like, morning stars for shoulders and a frog helmet. <laughs> what, what were they... Somebody who hated Titans designed <laughs> all of the seasonal armor. I swear. The, the, hey. the, yeah, the <laughs> the intern that they had designed the seasonal armor must have been a Titan main, or sorry, a Hunter main. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, I, I, you know what's funny too is day one of season worthy, I went and bought the swole swole Hunter armor. I actually switched up to main Hunter that season just for that armor. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I like, I waited until it was like every glimmer item for like shoulders, arms, head. And I was like, I'm going to go jump on my hunter, spend all of my glimmer just to buy the stupid freaking armor. But they, um, they also like aesthetics for the freaking. No, seriously, it was somebody hated the Titan this season because the Iron <laughs> Banner armor was garbage for the Titan as well. Yeah. Everybody else was, was kind of okay, but the Titan was like, what? I remember you getting that set and then putting on like the most horrible yellow color you oh, could God. find and every... then making me look at it. And I was well, like, why you do this? Every that... single piece it just kept getting worse. <laughs> In my opinion, that whole set of Iron Banner armor is trash. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was, yeah. But it, it's like, the Titan was by far the worst of them. Yeah, they, they called it the Iron Remembrance set, and frankly, I'd rather not remember it at all. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I would right. love to... I wish that they actually, like, let you keep all of the... If they let you keep all of the old armor you had as visuals. Because, like, the... I don't even remember which season it was. The white Iron Banner armor. Oh, yeah, it was... Um... That Iron was... Will, Iron Will set. Iron yeah, Will Iron set. Will. Yeah, that was Shadow Iron Keep. Will was sick, especially the Titan armor. I I think I kept almost a full set of it for. I don't know if I got all three classes because of the visuals alone. Like I wear that set on my warlock because that that like chest piece is so freaking cool. Well done. I still have it uh, on my warlock. Yeah, I do. With transmog coming in the future, that's going to be a reason why to keep it, so you can transmog it and wear it on everything you want to wear it on. I think I actually do still have a full set on all three characters. I just <laughs> vaulted it. It was so cool. Um, so, we can now speak on sunsetting. This is a hot topic. 
Now I'm gonna bring mm. my I'm gonna bring my perspective because I'm in a different camp than you guys. Um, I relatively only play Destiny a few nights a week. I play Wednesday night for about two hours, and then Friday night I'll play till I fall asleep. Um, I'll occasionally jump in on Sunday morning, get a couple hours in, but for the most part, I don't have a whole lot of free time. I work a full-time job, I've got kids, and um, playing games isn't on my high-priority list as much as I'd like it to be. Um, I try to get as much time as I can. Can't always do that. So, for me, sunsetting is... It's up and down for me. I, I totally, totally understand their motives behind doing it. Power creep. They're, they're trying to find a balance with all of the weapons that you can obtain in the game while introducing new ones with new perks and getting players to play those without reverting to all their old stuff because it's simply better. Now, what I think they should do is actually start tuning specific weapon archetypes along with mods or sorry not along with perks that would for me be a better way of handling sunsetting especially for for me because i only got mountaintop uh i think it was season of the worthy it took me a long time to get that and now i only have till september to use that and i'm sure i'm not the only one in that sitting in that camp of spending a long time to get some of the pinnacle weapons and now you only have a certain amount of time to use them i just got lunas last week that and i'm st I, I i still need to try and get not forgotten which by the time that i actually probably get it it's going to be sunset so i understand why they're doing it it sucks for a lot of people who don't have all the time in the world to play and have been playing with these weapons for as long as everyone else has been um my biggest concern which i think probably john's gonna be happy with is then sunsetting armor for me getting materials to actually max out armor is not easy for me it's it's pretty difficult because i don't have play people to play with consistently um so i don't have a whole lot of golf balls to throw around like on every set i can so I use my materials sparingly. So I maybe have like seven pieces masterworked, if that, which as of now are all going to be obsolete in September. Now, I can't get that time back. I mean, I can use, I could still use a lot of that armor in Crucible where I do use it and it'll be fine. But when I want to take it to any pinnacle activities, it's not going to be possible because it's getting sunset. So now I'm in the I'm in the mindset of well I have a bunch of crap I should probably just delete it, but at the same time I hoard I hoard a lot. My my vaults always almost always consistently sitting at like 498. <laughs> so for me I, I I I understand why Bungie wants to do it and why they have to do it. I just think there could be a better approach to it. Those those are those are my thoughts because again I'm not a lot of I'm not a person who can put so much time into the game hey, uh, and, and enjoy it all but no Louis this isn't the first time they sunset before no 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 they did it before let's but talk about I, real quick how that like affected the game 
in Destiny 1 because Fatebringer became obsolete and I kind of was bummed about it. Yeah, so. and and because it and that's the thing too. If with Fatebringer, the drop rate on that was so low. I never even got a real Fatebringer. I had to go get. I got my Fatebringer from the exotic the one exotic they, version, yeah. that did the re-release of of Vault of Glass. Mm-hmm. So, I there was a ton of weapons that got sunset in Destiny One. I was like, crap, man. I I wish I could take this everywhere. Granted, we could still use it in PVE mm-hmm. and and some crucible play spaces and you know it'd be all right like there was a weapon in in d1 that i took with me everywhere it was always on me all the time it was a it was an auto rifle i think it was like 900 rpm and it was it was called dr nope that thing was with me all the time and when it got sunset i was really pissed because there was no other version of that weapon that met just as good as it did so, um, I'm like I, I'm not unfamiliar with weapons being sunset in Destiny, where it happened in the past. But I will. Say, there was a caveat to that, though. When they sunset those weapons, the Taken the Taken King brought in a whole bunch of new weapons and a bunch of old weapons that had been remade and redone. Yeah. So the the if they managed to do that, I mean. I will be happy, but I have no reason to believe they're going to be doing that because in the lifespan of D2, since the launch of the game, they have not been consistent in updating the inventory of weapons Bingo. in our armory. So I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't look forward to that happening and be like, oh, you know, they'll just throw in a, like, a whole bunch of new weapons and it'll make up for everything that we've lost because in D2, there's no history of that happening. In D1, when we got the Taken King expansion, we got a shit ton of weapons. So you completely forgot about the old ones. No, I mean, we wouldn't completely forget about about Fatebringer. But at the same time, they gave us an alternative where we got Imago Loop. And that was a strike-specific weapon that was, again, had a very low drop rate. But if you grinded for it, it was the most similar weapon to Fatebringer that you could get. Yeah. So... I'm hoping that that's the direction they go in, but with history and D2, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't see them dropping that amount of loot into the game like they did with the Taken King. For me, I like both. Uh, for Destiny 2, I like I like the sun setting. I don't I don't really mind it too bad. Um, just makes me. You know, it's going to make us want to do other activities to get whatever the best weapon is at that time, right? So, I mean, it's not bothering me. Just like right now, for example, I was looking at the armor pieces. And, yeah, I got Masterwork gear, like you were saying. And I am just basically sunsetting it now. (laughs) I'm just dismantling it, getting the material, and looking for this season's armor and going to stick with that. So, uh, So I'm waiting for... Better weapons, I guess you can say. I have a feeling that now that we just talked about the Destiny 1 stuff, they might convert these, uh, like, Mountaintop, Recluse, Revoker. I think they're going to convert those to exotics. Just oh, I would love that. Because they did that for Fatebringer, and it yeah. 
if it's and you know what kind of what they're supposed to be those we i feel like those weapons should have been exotic yeah. from the get-go yeah how powerful they are especially recluse like how was that not an exotic yeah like that should have been terrible <laughs> <laughs> exactly i don't know what do you guys what do you guys Thing. Well, honestly, like as far as the exotic thing goes, Hav and I talked about this ages ago. Yeah. That the right solution it. for balancing Ace of Spades, or uh, balancing Not Forgotten, wasn't to make it a 150, but to make it an exotic. Maybe oh, give it okay. some other perk where the, the how make Magnificent Howl lasts a little longer or something. But to basically make Not Forgotten an exotic and Luna's Howl forget what we did we were talking about but it was something similar yeah i would like that where you make it an exotic and then it's like okay well it is the best hand cannon in the game but it's also your exotic slot you so you can't run ward cliff with it anymore yeah mm. that would have been it, great because they could they could have actually made it like a quest out of it where you have yeah all this crap you got to do to make it into an exotic Oh, the lore between behind the the Luna's Howl Not Forgotten quest and the quest itself to me was probably my favorite part of this this game so far. And like, I think the last time we we, did it twice. we had this, <laughs> I was looking at it. and I'm like, I never expect to get Luna's Howl. I don't think I'm ever gonna get good enough for that. I'm like sitting here now. I'm like, well, um, I've done the Luna's Howl quest on my account and my fiance's account i've gotten not forgotten on both accounts i just got unbroken on mine like i mean i've done it now granted it, it is easier to do but yeah I, i've done it now and it, it feels like you know it, it's it's worth an exotic it, it should be something good and like as good as not forgotten still is and i i have 1200 kills on it so, I would say that it's pretty good. It's just a run-of-the-mill 150 now. Like, I mean, if you put it up against, like, a, a Jack-Queen-King, the only reason I would run Not Forgotten over... Sorry, there's two reasons I'd run Not Forgotten over Jack-Queen-King. And one is in air accuracy because occasionally that is actually a thing and because i don't want to run into a risk runner <laughs> you ever run into a risk runner in pvp when you're trying to run an energy 150 <laughs> guess what the 150s in in fucking um energy are it's jack queen king and waking vigil they're both arc if somebody brings out Risk Runner, you're just like, well, I guess I have to switch to to a Kinetic now. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So, I mean, honestly, like, I, other than that, Jack Queen King is better than Not Forgotten. Not Waking Vigil is better than Not Forgotten. It's just kind of an okay hand cannon. So, you know, I... Is it worth it to go through the grind anymore? I I can't advise it personally. Like with how easy like rows and spare rations are to get, it took me 60 hours on Crunchy's account to get not forgotten. 60 hours to to do that, I had to get a spare rations. 
I had to get a beloved that was decent. In that time, I picked up Provoker, I picked up Recluse, I got... I didn't get Mountaintop, because screw that quest. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I picked up all of these weapons in the process of getting Not Forgotten to get a very mediocre weapon. And, I, I mean, now that I've got that, my sunsetting is, like, well, that's a 1200 gun gone that I can never use in pinnacle activities anymore. My revoker's got 2800 kills. Um, what other, like, really... So how do you feel about it, though? Honestly, it's up to them. I, I don't feel like there's any gun that I'm really tied to enough other than, like, Not Forgotten for sentimental reasons that I can't do without, that I can't play some other weapon. But the current sandbox and the current list of weapons that they have available to us is like, well, unless you make it to where there's a viable reason to use something other than a 150 hand cannon, it, it won't work. Like, there's, yeah. there's currently... What do we see? Two guns, two 150 hand cannons that won't be sunset. And one of them's the Jack Queen King, and the other one's Dire Promise. The other one's Dire Promise. Jack Queen King seasonal. So basically, it's if you are coming into it, the only 150 that you'll be able to use is Dire Promise. Which so unless they make 140s viable, 180s viable, 110s viable, uh. You have one choice. Like, yeah, and they... Uh, that's, that's a problem. I still... I'm pretty sure that Jack Queen King is not among the weapons that they brought back in the Legacy and Umbral Ingrams this season either. Yeah. Um, it's not... I think it's... They, the ones that they pulled from that season were Breach Light and something else, I think. So it, it really is for anybody that's joining the game at this stage or perhaps starting with Beyond Light, they've got no options besides Dire Promise. And which I, cannot be ground for. It's a world drop. I was kind of waiting to see how this season's weapon pool looks like. Still no weapons. Yeah, and and like there's there's no 150s. There the hand cannon list is the Icolos hand cannon, which is a 180. And uh, I don't know if we want to get into my rant about 180s and just archetypes. Okay, we've already started. Cool. No. What? <laughs> Too late. Hand cannon archetypes and and just archetypes in general need to be looked at because. You can't have 140s and 150 hand cannons in the same requirements. I, I mean, what is your your reason or justification for ever using a 140 when 150s exist? Still a three-tap headshot. The weapon range between 140s and 150s is 20, 25 to 28 meters. Rangefinder, which you can get on... Uh, dire Promise and Spare Rations will increase that by 2. So your 140 to 150 is... There is no difference in range. They get exactly the same range. They have the same requirements for for TTK. Like, 3 headshots is a kill. And... 
your time to kill is 0 0.07 seconds faster with a, a 150. There, there's no justification to ever pull out a 140. And 180s and 110s are even worse. The only reason to bring a 110 is for those crispy two taps. Hmm. I mean, criminals Would, do be pretty crispy though. Yeah, criminals well, are they pretty did, sweet. They, they did talk about um, 110s getting touched on. Yeah, I and, believe it's gonna be, but it's gonna be the next band. And and they need to be touched up on, have more range, have it to where it's a a one head two body or something to where it's more forgiving. And I mean, I think one eighties are in an even worse spot because outside of uh, a couple niche guns like service revolver with kill clip occasionally you can get that kill clip to brock and you'll you'll three tap people it's pretty rare though other than that you have a gun that has equivalent range a smaller magazine somehow because for some reason 180s have like nine round magazines you have a one second time to kill which is abysmally slow your time to kill for body shots is like 1.8 seconds or something ridiculous. Just empty your whole mag. Yeah, it's like it takes like six out of nine bullets in a 180 to, to get a, a body shot kill. So it's like 180s are in a horrible spot. 110s are in a bad spot. 140s are in a bad spot. So your only good hand cannons are 150s, and I was really hoping to either see a big archetype shift so that all things are viable again, or to see like just a plethora of new guns, like two in each category type thing. And I, I mean, I'm focusing on hand cannons here because as a PvP person, I think I have like... 20,000 or 30,000 of my kills on hand cannons. But it's true of pretty much all the other archetypes, like pulse rifles, assault ri uh, assault rifles, like anything you use, there's like one class that's really good and everything else is shit. Aggressive pulses, 600 RPM autos. Well, ag aggressives got buffed this season, didn't they? High impacts. Yeah. That's they buffed high, high impacts because there was no reason to use them in favor. Uh, There's no reason to use them over aggressives. All the aggressives on the field had better perks and generally better stats. To be honest, um, that's why they decided the to high, high impacts better TTK. But that was only if you could precisely land all six shot bullets uh, within your range. Yeah, so that's why they, they made it more forgiving was to give people a reason to use them. Um, and then I think that they they uh, released a, I want to say the seasonal pulse is a high impact so maybe they're trying to push people more that way towards using pulses, but of course I'm not going to pull out a pulse again until they give them more range than autos. Um, um, it is that's, a high impact yeah it is a high impact okay yeah it's uh 
pulses are in a bad spot right now though because they nerfed their range back in shadow keep and then buffed autos in season of dawn and didn't buff pulses again so you, you can't win inside auto range usually but not that's as, not as long as Suros regime is, is where it's at yeah um it's I think I've been kind of silent this whole time with the, the weapon sunsetting thing. I never experienced D1 sunsetting similar to Psyoc, uh, um, who's also a D2 only player, but I, I don't know. I've come to have kind of a neutral opinion on it. I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of dislike having to put away or even shred weapons that I've been lovingly using in PvE or god rolls for PvP that I just recently got that are no longer going to be viable in the highest level PvP activities and that kind of stuff um, that I'm not going to keep around having them take up precious vault space uh, but I recognize at least from my, from my perspective that it's going to be a good thing for the future of the game um I, I think it's but i at the current stage kind of nitpicking at their execution um i don't mind the fact that i really have just come to terms with the fact that they're sunsetting but i'm extremely dissatisfied with how many weapons this season they reintroduced with season of arrival tags and the same exact perk pool like, I literally felt like that was a slap in the face after I'd come to terms with, okay, I'm going to get some new guns, and they're probably going to have new perks, and I'm going to learn how to navigate the new meta, and it's just going to be an experience. And then this season came along, and Bungie was like, oh, here, we heard you wanted the exact same weapon you already have a god roll for in the vault, except you have to get it again. Good luck. Nation of I, I was, yeah, the and like the reintroducing gnawing hunger and oh, yeah. they added two new weapons finally to the Iron Banner pool. But Bite of the Fox is getting instead of, is getting uh, um, replaced this Season of Arrivals version with the exact same perk pool. So if you want an aggressive frame sniper starting in Beyond Light, you better grind out another snapshot opening shot to the fox this season it's i was okay with sunsetting and had completely come to terms with it after much talking with people right up until they did that and i'm like D do you do you guys like you didn't i could understand if you don't have enough resources and time to release so many new weapons that you can just pull all of this old stuff out of the pool entirely but you could have at least mixed in the new perks that you introduced, like getting Killing Wind on the new Gnawing Hunger or something like that. Something simple could have mixed it up, but just changing the season tag and releasing it, it, it was, it's been like the one dark spot on Season of Arrivals for me so far and on my expectations for sunsetting because I, I think my biggest worry is similar to um, Zyox is that they're not going to introduce new stuff fast enough to keep up with how things are getting sunset and it's going to pare down what's available in the game and make both the PvE and PvP metas completely stale. It's I'm I'm waiting on Bungie to show me that they're going to execute it better than I'm currently expecting them to. I 
I think that pretty much sums up my feelings on on sunsetting too. Is it's in their court. I don't mind losing weapons. I have sentimental attachment. I remember how I got almost all of the guns that I use a lot. But I understand that if they need to trim the trees a little bit, then I get that. But you can't take away all of the the meta weapons. It, and not that's replace. not how you. That's not how you make a healthy environment. You actually have to provide us with replacements, something to grind for. And that's and I'm like, not sure current that's travelers. Kind of like, that's kind of like my worry too with sunsetting is like. Okay, you're having us get rid of weapons, but what happens if they just bring back the same weapons with the same perks? So it's like, what's the point of sunsetting exactly. them if you're giving the exact same thing? It doesn't yeah. change the meta at all. If yeah. they bring back Kindled Orchid and tell me I have to grind out a new one, I'm just going to flip a table. Because <laughs> it took forever to get Yeah. I, I... That was another God. one that I got on like my second. Kindle. Yeah, some of you guys got it super fast, but I'm sitting here like, uh, like 80, 60 clears, 80. I have, I think it's 200 and. Okay, let me check. I know that they actually have it. Yeah, 305 forges ignited. 305 forge completions not just the the afk farms but those are actually like i had to do forges 305 times to get the kindled orchid i wanted Jeez. <laughs> like i i'm not gonna do that if if you're gonna tell me that in order to get another kindled orchid that's the same one that i already have but now it has that little like diamond in the corner or something like heck no what you don't want to do one with the pizza slice (laughs) you know i'll I'll pass and how many kills i got 1300 kills on my kindled orchid that Uh, pretty much covers that pretty much covers sunsetting yeah, we yeah. all are kind of like all over the place with it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Not a, we don't all have a glowing excitement for you either. So I think a lot of that ties into the expectations, and and that it's yeah. it's in Bungie's court. They if they do it well, it'll go down fine. If they don't, it's gonna screw the pooch. And from the last couple of seasons, what we've seen for new content has just been bounties. Yeah. I think I've and gotten. They acknowledge that, so I know they are working on. Yeah. Way for us to play the game beyond bounties, so I'm very much looking forward to that because I don't, I don't think I can continue just constantly picking up bounties, <clears throat> finishing them, and then doing it all over again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm, I'm not holding my breath yet. It's, I, I'm not one of those people who's gonna constantly complain about. I mean, I love this game for its better or worse traits. I'm not gonna constantly be complaining about Bungie's implementation of different features in the game. I'm gonna gripe a little bit and be done with it. But <clears throat> so far, since I started playing the game, I, I haven't seen. I think I've yet to see a Destiny play space that did not revolve around bounties. 
in the time that I've played, so I, I don't have any frame of reference for saying, oh, well, hopefully they'll do it right, because I, I, I've got, like, nothing... There's nothing there to tell me that they know how to do it right, I guess. And that's why it's, like... I'm not really gonna quit the game if there's turns out there's more bounties to do, but I'm I'm not uh I I can't really say that I'm oh uh, the, the I don't know I don't want to phrase this they can only acknowledge the fact that they have a problem so many times before I expect them to stop talking and start doing something about it. Because they've they do a lot of acknowledging and fix and very very slow fixing. All right, so let's move on to a little more brighter subject. I like brighter subjects. Let's discuss Beyond Light's reveal trailer. So, I, think I, I liked it. I I liked it. I was working too. I had to catch it afterwards. But for me, just seeing all those characters coming together for the first time some of which we haven't seen since d1 we haven't seen the stranger and i you guys have no idea who the stranger is besides looking at lore but having knowing that that character is coming back has so many implications for the future of the franchise because for the longest time she was like an anomaly and only through D2 where we've slowly starting to get a little more pieces of who she actually is with the discovery of her being Elsie Bray, Anna Bray's sister, and knowing what that means for the franchise because that, that ties into more of what the Deep Stone Crypt actually is and why it's so important. And then, I don't know if you guys caught it, but... There's a phrase she says about her seeing the darkness destroy her future or her time. So I think she's time traveling. I think she's time traveling back to us to help us out. Um, and in that, and then that in that trailer, we also got to see glimpses of our new element and class coming, which is stasis. Yes. So. Um, also in that gameplay trailer, we got to see what stasis looks like. And I don't know if the optimist in me is seeing what I want to see, but I, I've seen other people talk about it online. And I'm, what I'm referencing is, is the warlock. Now, some people think he's, he's holding a spear, but for me, it looks like he's actually like holding like a staff or a scepter of some kind. So they're actually making a warlock an actual magic user, which is pretty exciting for me, being a warlock main. Um, also, we know that Aramis is going to be the villain of Beyond Light, which has me super excited. Um, and I I'll tell you why, because um, I, like Syl does, I, I follow the lore as much as I can. Not as not as as effectively as Syl does, but um, Aramis has been in discussion for a while now because there's been questions about who the going to be the new Kell of Kells. Um, Varix had thrown his hat in there, saying that he wanted to bring House of Judgment, and which is why he released Aldrin and did his little coup. 
was because he wanted to bring all the fallen together under one house and him be the Kell of Kells. Then there was talk of Aramis. The, she was a baroness with the House of Devils back in D1. And she was also imprisoned in the prison of elders. When she got released, she had tried to round up a band of uh, House of Devils supporters to reignite that house and unite the fallen under her banners which is why she tried to go to the old tower to recover uh, siva and then there's also um one other fallen that throws his the, his name is thrown into the kelikel and that's mithrax house and the mithrax. house of, of the house of light and what's interesting about aramis and mithrax is Mithrax has come to the conclusion that that the Fallen should be still serving the great machine that is the Traveler. So he has his his crew of Fallen under the, the banner of the House of Light in support of the Guardians and the Traveler. Whereas Aramis, it looks like she went and sought the darkness out in spite of the Traveler to get darkness powers so that they could get revenge on the Traveler for him shunning them and not choosing them to be their guardians. So for me, it's it's this 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 trailer and the information we got of it's very exciting for me because it's starting to bring a lot of lore pieces together, and I'm I'm super amped. I think bringing in another a new element to the weapon system and a new subclass is very very exciting, especially. Because this new subclass is going to have no concrete trees to go to where it's specific. It's a specific way to play. Yeah. Uh, when I understand it's going to be fully customizable and you get to build the subclass you want, similar to how it was in D1. That Now that part's speculation, it being similar to D1. That's the idea I have because in D1, uh, all the subclasses had perk nodes that you would choose how you wanted your subclass to play um so yeah that's how i feel about it i'm super excited uh i can't wait especially since that time i'll be on pc um so how, how'd you how do you guys feel about the beyond light reveal trailer i'm, I'm not high. a i'm not a lore keeper but i like the stasis the new subclass stuff and i heard the same thing as you so it should be um more customizable than just selecting a tree and what I also heard was from Luke Smith that it's kind of like a test to see if players actually like a fully customizable subclass yep, and then yep, he yep. said in the future if it goes well they might convert all the other um, subclasses to customizable. which would be dope I know that'd be so much better but anyway I'm uh I'm pretty hyped for both a gameplay and a lore perspective. I mean, gameplay-wise, I'm really looking forward to this fourth damage type being introduced into the game, the, the stasis. I'm really looking forward to my first experience with customizable uh, perk trees because I'd only heard about it in D1. Um, I 
from both a gameplay and a lore perspective, I am hyped to go to Europa and dive into the Deepstone Crypt for what is supposed to be this new raid. I, I mean, looking back through the Destiny lore, even though I haven't been playing since year one, it seems to me, you know, when you go to make your character, how they have three races of guardians, you know, a human, awoken, and an exo. I feel like D2 has kind of gone through eras up until now where year one of D2 was very much a story about humans to a certain extent with the Red War, um, Curse of Osiris and Warmind all centering around human civilization um, and the history of human characters with Osiris, Anna Bray playing key parts, um, that kind of stuff. And with the Red War campaign, you know, even going to Nessus with the ruins of human colony ships. And then when they came to Forsaken, it kind of transitioned into a very Awoken theme, you know, getting to, to learn. Get, that was when I got into the lore about getting to learn when where the Awoken came from, how where they exist outside of this plane, how the Dreaming City was founded, how the Dreaming City works. I, I was late to the game because I didn't start until Season of Opulence, but I really like deep dive back through that lore and it was super interesting to me. And now, as much as I understand it, the Deepstone Crypt is supposedly the birthplace of Exos. That's correct. It's And it's Exos are a technology that can house a human mind that not even ghosts are fully capable of deciphering and understanding. Um, as mysterious and all-powered as ghosts are to access computer systems, that they even ghosts can't figure out exactly what's going on inside of Exo's minds. There's systems that are locked out to them and everything. That technology is completely lost to the past. So I'm super hyped to see how Beyond Light is going to expound on the origin of Exo's. Um, from a lore perspective. I'm also... I, I'm not as hardcore into the Fallen lore, possibly. I, I didn't go through the whole experience with the the houses back in D1. I've only ever known the house of... Because Dusk, they call it. You know, all of the Fallen that are left in the system, basically. Um, I knew a little bit about the competition for Kel of Kells and about the House of Light. Um, but something that stands out to me about uh, Aramis being a a villain in Beyond Light and also the um, uh, the introduction of the stasis abilities in the stasis damage type because if they're introducing it for players you know that there's going to be enemies out there that are using the stasis damage type too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of it, just, it was really like just last night I was up ridiculously late reading lore entries that aren't available in game yet but because the data is in the game they're available on any like third party platform and in the lore book there I'm reading ahead on all of the transmissions that Eris is supposed to get from the darkness throughout the season kind of kind of cheating looking ahead here but in one of those in one of her personal notes on those transmissions she, she really describes she says that that she doesn't agree with those who feel that the darkness has to be entirely ignored and that she believes that it's possible to step over the line and also come back because she's done something very similar with taking on certain abilities from the hive after she lost her ghost and she kind of talks speaks to that mindset of in a lot of those entries and she says that if we do not find a way 
to use the power of our great enemy, our lesser enemies surely will. Hmm. And I, what you were talking about with Aramis being a villain and potentially seeking out the, the darkness as a um, as a way to get back at the Traveler, it, it talks about that in those lore entries, that all of the races that have actually forsaken the Traveler end up serving the darkness. Hmm. And she, 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 she describes that. In those. I, I mean, I'm sure you'd love them if you want to go look them up. They're available through Little Light if you actually look in lore under Triumphs. Um, it's uh, so I'm, I'm from a lore perspective. I'm also looking forward to how we're going to explore. You know, what is darkness? Because they're kind of hinting at this season that, and Eris mentions this as well that there is true evil out there that you can't say, well, oh, the darkness is not truly evil or something like that. It's just people need to recognize that there is evil and it's something that you have to oppose because there's reasons that it's worth opposing. It's uh, you'll see that when you read the entries. It's we've got these hints this season that even though the darkness is supposedly our great enemy, and they could still be lying to us with everything they've said through talking about being our salvation and how in the light there's only death. I mean, it's very likely that they're not telling us the entire truth. But with Savathun apparently looking to interfere with our communications with the darkness, I'm really looking forward to a potential reveal that the, na with the nature of the darkness is not that is not actually that of our greatest enemy or something along those lines. And you know, that, that's something that the stranger had teased back in D1. It sh she implied that our, we don't even know if, if the traveler is the one we decide we should be on. Yeah, and it's uh, in many of those lore entries, the darkness apparently appeals to Eris with the same logic of basically suggesting that we should betray the Traveler. And it's kind of, I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out because it almost looks like I'm, I'm almost wondering if there's something going on in the lore that it turns out that what we perceive to be the darkness with the pyramid ships and everything like that is not actually the great arch enemy of the light as described in, you know, D2's or Destiny Universe's overarching lore. I'm, I'm looking looking forward to that, and I'm also looking forward to the exploration of, I don't know if you've ever read the lore entries attached to Lumina, but it's, uh, there's a lot of lore in the Destiny Universe with the, the um, Traveler being referred to as a gardener, but there's also a winnower somewhere, and this darkness is not necessarily it. Yeah, there's a, there was a rumor saying that the the raid boss for this next season is actually going to be the winner. That would be, I, I don't know if they're planning to go all the way out to year six. I almost wonder if that would be dropping the ball too early or like a uh, agent of the winner or something like that. I, I could see that happening only because it's like, I, I, I feel like in order for the raid boss to be the winner itself, they'd have to really like you know let it all out of the bag about who the true great enemy of humanity is in destiny and everything and that would kind of be bringing the story to a close but as we've seen in the reveal they're still planning an expansion in year five apparently with Savathun as the main villain and um and then something in year six with lightfall that they didn't give very many 
didn't give very much information about, obviously. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to how the universe develops. Uh, anybody it, has anybody read the stuff about the Destiny content vault and the return of the Vault of Glass? I was just gonna get to that next. That was the next topic. So they also showed uh, a timeline of what's you know what's gonna come forth with all this and um they gave us a roadmap so we know that um we're gonna have two more expansions after beyond light we are going to have the witch queen which is from what we understand supposed to be centralized around sabathun and then the last one which is a working title i believe was a lightfall with that ominous picture of the traveler being covered by a pyramid. But after that, we got a rogue or uh, a reveal of what our future directory would look like. And there are missing planets. Mars is gone. Io is gone. Mercury is gone. Um, Leviathan's gone. All of those locations are going to be removed from the game and brought into the DCV, the Destiny Content Vault. So that brings up the topic of sunsetting locations and how we feel about that. People need to stop having wimpy computers. <laughs> <laughs> It's the console right. people who are holding it back. Yeah, <laughs> it's all, all consoles' fault, right? No, um, I, I think that it's. I think that the, now that they've decided to continue with D two instead of making D three, I, I think that the world of D two might be becoming too broad, um, for new players to actually join in there's so much content located almost exclusively on the older worlds that if new players were to join in and jump into whatever the most recent expansion is with that season's content and everything i don't know if they'll ever get around to that old content it's so deep at this old at this point okay but um, step one has to be make the entry quests actually accessible to new players yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, um, I think that I do agree with Bungie in that these old planetary destinations have not really become the focus point for new players. They're more focused on the playlist activities or the newer destinations, uh, like the Moon for Shadowkeep. And definitely, you know, if anybody joins in the game for the first time. Even if they weren't doing this content sunsetting, somebody joins in the game for the first time, say next season with Beyond Light, I can almost bet you they're going to go to Europa before they go to visit Mercury. Yeah. It's, um, but it, it, it's a weird feeling too, because these planets have been around for a while. The Vin, and they have, you know, different figures that have been core to elements of the story and narrative D2, kind of like that that era of really talking about humanity uh, that I was mentioning earlier with uh, Osiris and the followers of Osiris located on Mercury and the whole infinite forest that Osiris is monitoring, you know, it's, there's been, it's kind of like those planets have created 
different focal points for different lore and narratives like if you think back on the seasons through this year you know season of the dawn really expanded on mercury and it dropped a lot of lore centered around mercury and the infinite forest just because of what was going on there last season didn't do it that masterfully but it was really expounding on rasputin um giving it's it just goes to show you how those destinations have become so core to the 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 narrative of d2 at this point where it's like you know new content comes out and people you almost you almost ask yourself oh well how is you know rasputin going to be involved in this or something like that because you just kind of expect it at this point um same thing with callus and the leviathan um and i think it's I think it's possibly time for those narratives to end. There's gotta be, there's gotta be, because otherwise you get into these pits, these, these, uh, these pits of storytelling, where it's like, where you try to tell new stories on new planets, but if you have something like Rasputin existing in the system and you're talking about some sort of conflict going on on Europa, then there's gonna be people out there asking, it's like. How can this be going on in a vacuum? How is how are these other characters involved in it? Is Osiris watching this? Is Rasputin involved in it? So you yeah. kind of have to remove them from the picture, or you get yourself trapped in this loop of it, you either you either commit the mistake as a writer of not referencing your old stuff at all, uh, see any uh, manga that has gone on for way too long, um, or you. Uh, you have to give it a proper end. Those yeah. are your only two options. And I think that they've reached the stage where they've decided to give it an end. There's a there's a lore book that's dropping later this season. It's going to be part of the exotic quest for this season, um, which describes what the vendors of each planet, the, the figures that we know, Ashramir on Io, Anna Bray on Mars, Brother Vance on Mercury, and Commander Sloan on Titan. It's... It, it's kind of like them it's kind of like oh you know where are they going what are they doing going off into the sunset i think the most interesting one of all has to do with anna bray because she is not out of the story yet if you read this new lore i don't remember if you guys all saw the cutscene at the beginning of this uh, season yeah i know what you're talking about yeah i yeah. know what you're talking about yeah it's it's uh, if the the new lore that comes out with her pretty much explains that they trapped what was left of Rasputin in basically an Ingram, and she is probably headed off to find out how to make exos in order to implant Rasputin in an experimental exo body. It's it's you have to read the lore entries to explain why I'm like coming to that conclusion, but she's not out of it yet. But it gives it, it kind of like ties it to. There's a reason that Anna Bray is no longer on Mars, and it even mentions in the lore entries about her having cleaned out Bray Tech Industries of all the Golden Age tech she could salvage. So you've got, you know, Rasputin is no longer on Mars. Anna Bray is off on a journey to find out how to get Rasputin a new body, and there's no more Golden Age tech left in inside of Clovis Bray it's kind of closing the door on Mars. There's no longer anything on Mars to pull the narrative towards that planet. 
and they do something similar with the other planets. And I think that's what they're trying to do with this content sunsetting, is they're really trying to bring an end to the destinations, to take them out of the story for the time being. I imagine at some point in the future when it becomes necessary for the story that we go back to Mars or back to Mercury, then they're going to bring back those planets, and but the destinations they bring back on those planets may not necessarily look the same as what we think of with Mars. We might yeah. go somewhere else on Mars besides Clovis Bray the next time it comes out of the content vaults. Yep. I, 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 uh, I'm okay with it. I think it's a good move, especially because they're talking about the reasons why they can't just keep building on this game because they're running out of memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this solves their problem and also allows them to continue building upon D2. Um, this and it, it helps from uh, a narrative point of view because they can pull planets out, work on them, and then when they want to use the planet for future content, like you said, bring it back newly refreshed and in possibly different locations. So I, I'm actually pretty good with that. My only takeaway from it, and my only um, the only thing I, I think that might be a problem is for like people who want to get Wayfair, especially new people who maybe start off in uh, Beyond Light. If they try to go get Wayfair, there's a lot of stuff tied into to planets that'll be gone. They're gonna have to remove their perhaps that title is probably gonna go away. I'm guessing yeah. along with the there's some other there's some other uh, seals like Shadow is gonna become impossible when the Leviathan goes away. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also the, the trophy hall. Like, that is really cool. So are they going to replace that with a new trophy hall? Or, you know, because I, I, I like the trophy hall. I think it was a good addition to the game where you even want to go out and test out weapons without having to go into a live, having to deal with mobs. You can just go in there and figure out numbers. Um, so th- that's really, it's very minute what my concerns are with it. Overall, I'm, I'm pretty pretty good with it. Um what about yeah. Javi and Javi and uh I'll be quick. Um I like it. I don't mind it at all. Um I'm just looking forward to Vault of Glass and letting these guys experience it for the first time. All right. I'm sure they'll sure. change some, but sure for me, Javi. Oh man. You guys wanna be... go there? We, it's we, like could, the... we could we could talk about Vault of Glass. This is the best we one could... of the best raids probably. We can ever. bring up we can bring up the big chungus that is vault of glass because i am i didn't see that coming at all when they talked about bringing back vault of glass i was like what the hell are they talking about bringing back the very first raid and possibly some of the best weapons that they've ever made for a raid not including the exotic which if that doesn't come back vex mythoclast i mean that's been rumored to be coming back for a long time now, and if it's finally actually coming back, holy crap! I, 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 I would be excited to take you guys along with Javi along yeah, to go do cool. that raid because grinding for Fatebringer. Let's do that all over again, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> but but, just... but that yeah. also begs, that also begs the question though: if they're bringing back Vault of Glass, what does that mean for Venus? Is Venus also coming back? Probably. I loved Venus. That was a great. That was a great location. 
but I'll uh, hand it off to John because John said earlier that he doesn't like recycled recycled uh, content. Yeah, so it's good to hear his point of view on this. <laughs> but you never experienced it, so new stuff is new stuff. I mean, for for me, what I don't like about the recycled gear is less about like playing it. For to me, it, it's all it's all new, like. The moon was entirely new to me. I'd never seen it before. So it, it was all good experiences, all fun. Aside from the fact that there's still a whole bunch of moon stuff that I deliberately didn't go into for boring reasons. Uh, I'll, I'll look pretty seriously at the uh, Altars of Sorrow there. Um, I was literally doing that earlier in the podcast while you guys were oh, talking are you? about stuff. Got a ghost cell yet? Get, I, no, I still don't have a ghost cell. Go away. Stop <laughs> at you. I hate that activity so much. Give me my Harbinger title. No, you. If I get it before you, I will hold it above you. Forever. I'm going to come up to Sacramento and we're going to have some hands. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we're going to have some words. Sorry, slip of the tongue. So you don't so, mind that it's going to come back? Yeah, and... I, I don't mind. It's less about... Like, what worries me is less about the the fact that it's recycled material. Like, it's more about seeing them, them produce more of the same. Yeah. Like, I... That's cool and all that I get to experience something again or experience something for the first time that other people have seen. But I'd like to see more creative content, stuff that, that no one's seen before. So things like this, this um, Garden of Salvation raid. Nobody's, nobody's done it before until the day one clear. Nobody's seen that location. I want to see more of that stuff where it's like, I don't feel like I'm the guy behind because I didn't play it. Because I didn't play D1. I'm like, well, Javi's already played this before, so it's a lot of like stuff he's Follow already me. seen. <laughs> Even yeah. <it's> brand new. <laughs> Granted, I'm sure I mean, I, a couple of things, but I love sharpening people through things. I love carrying them in in trials and PvP and. And like taking somebody through the first raid, I think that's super fun. It's always super fun to do that. But you know, sometimes I like doing something for the first time, like being some of the first people to clear zero hour, yeah. being being able to clear pit of heresy before anybody figured out, and like posted videos and guides on how to do it. Oh yeah, that was fun. fun. Like that that was a lot of fun that, that Javi We went blind. Yeah. Was it just the two of us? I think it was think just it was, the two yeah. of us went went into the pit of heresy like hours after it came out and we just did the whole whole dungeon blind. It was it was cool. I like being being able to do that stuff without having guides and, and all sorts of people that have done it before know what to do. So I like having new content. I mean, it'll keep me happy, but 
I really want to see that Bungie's actually working on new stuff rather than just saying, hey, Halo Combat Evolved was great. Let's just bring that back into the Destiny universe. I was hoping they were going to like remaster Destiny 1 for PC. But after this, it sounds like they're going to bring back like a lot of old stuff or destinations and raids and everything. So I'm seeing a potential pattern of releasing of releasing uh, completely new content and then cycling in re- a, some remastered old content every year. Well, Luke Smith did say that they have no plan of bringing back all of D1. He yeah. he did make, he did say that. That's that's something that he wanted to to make sure it was clear that they have no intention of fully realizing D1 and D2. But they do want to be able to bring some stuff back like with the Cosmodrome and the Sepik Prime mission and I think I think I heard he said Will of Prota. So I do remember them mentioning that. I, I I will honestly be just as happy for the content coming back from D1 as the stuff being introduced brand new for the first time, like Europa and Cosmodrome coming out side by side, but only if it's relevant. Yeah, they're, they'll tie it in. Yeah, because it's, it's if they bring... If, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be really disappointed if Cosmodrome comes back from D1... And the only thing that comes back is the ex- is that you can explore the Cosmodrome and the strikes that take place in the Cosmodrome. It's like if it's not if it's not relevant to the the new content, or if it's only tangentially relevant to the new content. Like if there's one mission from the Beyond Light story campaign where it's like, oh, go to the Cosmodrome and find this lost piece of technology or something, and then you go back to Europa and never come back to the Cosmodrome, a token inclusion. That that's gonna make me pretty disappointed. Well, well, uh, just to chime a light on it, because you weren't there in D one, uh, the House of Devils and most of the houses of the Fallen all were in the Cosmodrome. So that could be something that they're gonna explore. With Aramis being in game and everything, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. That gives yeah. me something to look forward to for sure. But if if they want to continue with that model of uh, re-release something old but remastered and make it relevant with the new content and then re- and then release something completely new at the same time then I'm perfectly fine with that good stuff I think it's going to be good yeah and hey they, they talked about bringing back a certain strike whether we want it or not <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the story here I'm I'm, I'm there's, you there's a strike that when you boot it up, or when it boots up, Zavala says this line, and it just caught on from Destiny oh, 1. Like, that's, that the one? One. that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether we want it or not, we've stepped... Is, is it yeah, we've stepped into yes. a war with a cabal on Mars. Mars. I that's, know that joke, even though I've never played D1. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> It's Cerberus Vey the Third. That's the name of the strike. And Smith... <laughs> tease that that's possibly a strike a, a strike and location that could come back via the the, the destiny content i mean that's the uh that those words are what they use as an example when you're tampering with your subtitle settings in game mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> all right so we're pretty good on on sunsetting all of us are pretty 
we have an idea of what it's going to be like and have our concerns and for the most part pretty positive so i'm excited i mean there's a couple of, of pretty awesome weapons that came from those strikes like sepix prime um possibly being able to get devil dawn again which is an awesome sniper that came from sepix prime and then there was crap uh... and grass malik that came from will of crota that we all just spent so much time grinding for the best role of grass malik and having to listen to her screams constantly <laughs> over and over again <laughs> so there, there's a lot of there's, there could be some great things coming out of them bringing back some of these old locations and honestly i loved um i love the cosmodrome i think i could actually spawn into there with my eyes closed navigate across the entire area that's how much i spent in the cosmodrome um so I love a lot of have really good memories in that that I'm place. Just space. Looking forward for these guys to experience like the good stuff of Destiny One. Yeah, yeah, and that is Vault of Glass. I mean, Vault of Glass is a pinnacle. I mean, I could spend all, all weekend doing that every every day. That's how great it is. <laughs> yep. So let's let's talk about uh, the crossplay. So hurry up they, already with the class. They, <laughs> they mentioned they mentioned that starting off in September we're gonna have ecosystem friendly crossplay. So PS4, PS5 can play together. Uh, Xbox One and uh, Xbox Series X are gonna be able to cohabitate together. But it looks like the goal is by 2021 we're gonna have full on crossplay between all platforms. About freaking time. I know. I know. That's going to be really, really, really cool. Right when you build it. It's going to be really cool, but I feel bad for everybody that's either on console or is using a weaker computer. Yeah. It's a big advantage to be able to get. Hey, Sil, how many frames are you rocking right now? Uh, 105. And I'm sure sure it's going to be opt-in. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna make it's gonna be interesting in in PvP or I don't know maybe maybe Bungie is being or they're being optimists and they're expecting that by 2021 we'll we'll somehow have 120 FPS console. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, I I think eventually the Xbox Series X could potentially get there. They, you could have like one hundred. Probably you're not going to get it at 4K for quite a while, but you could probably no. get HD 120 FPS. Yeah, and I think that would that would equalize the playing field a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about this season, season of the arrivals. Uh, initial thoughts: How do you feel about it? We we're only uh, what four days in, five days in. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like it too, man. The, the loot, especially the new loot, is cool. I love that the 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 new design on that bow. Thing's freaking awesome. I love How having a bow with Vorpal on it. I mean, I, I gotta say though, I, I don't know who in their right mind cooked up that design and then said yes. Hmm. <laughs> this is a lightweight frame. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like it's the clunkiest bow in the entire game. The thing's massive. It's like cut out of a solid metal plate. I mean, it's not called a whispering slab for nothing. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Wep- the the weapons are cool. The gears interesting. I don't say I, I, I'm not absolutely like in love with the new armor, but it's 
it has its own taste to it, which is what I kind of like. Um, the public event, I actually enjoy. Um, I think it's way better than doing the stupid towers. Oh, it's yeah. a lot more fun, a lot more fun. Um, it's it's so simple to do. Everyone knows about picking up moats and banking them, and then killing enemies. I mean, it's basically Gambit in a without any invaders. Please don't describe it as Gambit. I'll stop having fun. <laughs> Res- resident dredgens in our clan just we we tried not to think of it as Gambit whenever moats come into play. But I, yeah. I, I like it. I think it's fun. Um, I I haven't got a chance to do the dungeon because I'm not at light yet, so I can't. Yeah, the dungeon is actually sick. Yeah, the dungeons. I haven't even Dope. had a chance to play. I haven't. I, I, I'm looking forward to when I get high enough light to, to jump in there. Um, my What I will say, though, is I like the fact that it has two armor sets that you can get. I'm not sure how they divvy that up, but uh, it's cool that they brought back the old Trials armor. Um, and that new D- uh, Dido-looking armor is sick, especially that Titan armor. Titan armor's dope, and then the hunters have their cat ears back, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, from, what I, from what I heard, the lore in that is actually pretty damn good as well. Yeah. So I, I'm very much looking forward to that. The, the dungeon was a generally enjoyable experience. It was my first time with doing an activity like that blind. I didn't do Pit of Heresy blind, didn't do Shattered Throne blind. But we, we jumped into Prophecy blind and underleveled and got our butts kicked, but we found our way through all the way until we kind of hit that light level light level block, but mm-hmm. even then we came back, cleared that out. We still got to go back and clear the boss fight, but we had to get our levels up a bit more. Um, yeah, it's the, the, the lore implications and the nine answering the question of what is the darkness and the dungeon aesthetic. Yeah. All of it is fantastic. I love it. It's um, mechanically, it's probably easier than Pit of Heresy or Shattered Throne. Um, I figuring it out was not difficult because there was moats involved. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Dredgen. Yeah, it's uh, the the hardest part to figure out was how you uh, actually leave the second encounter. <laughs> we were running around for 20 minutes trying to figure out that when it tells you to stink that you all three of you have to step onto the center or the platform at the same time it was it was so dumb we were running around all over the place uh, that, that was like tiny spoiler there but I'm saving you from the literal suffering of exploring the entire starting area twice over only to have the, the solution slap you in the face yeah. it'll make sense when you get there that's funny. That was annoying. It, it, yeah, and it, it's the yeah. But other than that, it was like the whole doing the whole figuring out the mechanics and uh, doing the 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 first uh, mini boss fight and everything and um, the getting the the lore and the the con the conversations that happened between the drifter and Eris while it's all going on were pretty hilarious. Um, I I love it. Um, it is kind of a shame that it, it's only around for this season temporarily. Uh, they, they gave out the snap, I guess, for yeah, whatever yeah. reason, in the midst of all of their changes to content next season, they're going to have to pull the dungeon back out of rotation, but they said that they're planning to bring it back uh, in season 13 as yeah. a con- 
as a persistent event. Yeah. Um, but I would, uh, yeah, I would encourage people to do the new dungeon. It's as soon as they get up to light level. It's it's probably you know newbie friendly if you're new to dungeons and Destiny Two mechanics. But it's it's loads of fun. What do you guys think about the prismatic recaster? Forges. <laughs> that is uh, to 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 quote my opinions on the new Umbral Ingram loot system. I am actually just going to provide a quote from the official Twitter account of my beloved Charlemagne Discord Destiny 2 tool, where they said that 63% of all completed activities in the last 10 hours have been failed forges. Dear Lord. Guardians. Oh my gosh. This is coming from somebody who AFK'd all last night to get his to get his free forge loot. Um you can't AFK on console though. <laughs> uh, PC Master Ace. That's that's yeah. all, all I can say there. Yeah, my two of my characters are already at 1057. Jesus. Uh, and I'm I'm currently sitting in a forge because I actually ran out of things to do in game about 30 minutes ago. And so I'm sitting in a forge on my Titan to do the same thing over again. Uh, <laughs> it's Bungie's fault for making loot that consistently drops higher. We're probably the community is probably going to get forges removed from the game in the near future because we keep doing stuff like this. But I'm gonna get my loot while it's here. I like <laughs> I like it though. I like the setup of the, you know, the engrams, the umbrals, and then the rerolling. That's cool. Yeah, I like the it. actual mechanics of the thing. I, I really do enjoy being able to get the engrams from almost any activity that you do, and then focus them in as little or as much as you want depending on how much of this of the different seasonal currencies you want to spend in order to narrow your loot pool down um i uh i definitely enjoy um being able to focus it into the new weapons when i wanted to get rolls of that like i finally got a god roll false promises today for pve going forward it's probably going to be a staple probably gonna be a staple pve weapon for me and i it might have taken me weeks to get that if not for the focusing system so i think it's i think it's yeah. a good step yeah so we got bullcaster back we got dark drinker back which is i want to say that thing looks freaking dope big old chunky looking sword but the question is is where the hell's raise caster or raise lighter sorry raise lighter, where the hell's yeah. raise lighter what was the that's uh, the real question that, that's been in the games forever that's kind of like a just a basic sword that we've always had i know but it doesn't have that dps yeah yeah machismo that the rays yeah. lighter has so yeah, rays lighter is like an uppercut sword okay like so how we already have but it's literally adaptive frames that do the uppercut but instead thing, it uh like hits like five or six times Oh jeez, um, that's massive damage. Yeah. Okay. So maybe they need to uh, they need to replace adaptive frames with something more unique then to get a. I think they're just given like given a taste, and then maybe they'll bring back the exotic swords. Yeah. I mean, it's this uh, this um, last season rather when they gave those buffs to swords, which by the way is my favorite buff that Bungie has ever issued. Um, besides the one to Dune Marchers. Um, it's, uh... 
we were discussing, uh, Zyok and I were discussing the possibility that maybe they are actually planning to finally release new types of swords because there'd really only been, other than like Gold Tusk, one type of sword in the game. Um, for up until now and so I was really pleased when I hopped on the first day this season and it was like hey there's a sword that can throw spinning blades of death and it's actually got its own frame type and so I, I was I was really really pleased with that new content that came out this season um, expanding on sword archetypes yeah I'm looking forward to getting the dark drinker one soon the spinning yeah blade. me too yeah, yep. I need to... Level 30. Is it level 30? I'm at level yeah. 22 now. Yeah. Dude, that Dark Trinket used to be a DPS machine. Oh, yeah. It still is. Pop uh, a bubble and like, spin. Yeah, like, people who have tested it out with the with the drop that comes from the season pass, you, like, you do a couple of, you do, like, a couple of um, light attacks to charge up your Whirlwind Blade and then pop off that heavy, and it's supposed to do, like, 40k damage on a heavy. But hey, but isn't there a new mod that increases sword damage too? Yeah, Lucent Blade. I've already got it. <laughs> I, I've already, yeah, it's uh, it, it's really Lucent Blade is really crazy because it's um, it, it's I mean, it it's you you do have to. It does work with the charge with light system, uh, the active perk anyway. Um, so you you may have to have something on board to pick up a light charge but there's lots of ways to do that now through the past couple of seasons mods um dealing damage with a sword gives you bonus sword damage for five seconds so it's like it's basically built for stacking up charge with light and then going in with a whirlwind blade sword and just hammering on a boss absolutely melting it it's perfect for that and then the passive perk just for having it on board is that it massively increases the charge rate for your attacks so that you can get off more heavy attacks, which is going to work really well with the new Dark Drinker, basically. Since it's one of the... That sword frame is really big on um, being able to get off that spinning heavy. And I mean, the, whole, the caster frame is the same way. You want to be able to get off your your throwing heavy attack as many times as possible because it also um, it strikes the it strikes the enemy multiple times as it goes through it does like eight different ticks of five thousand damage or something at least my vorpal one does mm -hmm. so yeah lucent blade's gonna be a DPS beast later in the season all right so. One of the last things for us to talk about, SBMM. How it's been altered in the Crucible. So, SBMM has been removed from all playlists except for Elimination and Comp. Both versions. And Trials is staying intact with the card-based system. Yeah. I, I haven't had a chance to jump in. Um... To try it out yet? Uh, have you guys jumped into Crucible to see? That's John. I think uh, John can probably comment most yeah. on this. He was bullying some kids earlier today. <laughs> I don't know that I how I feel one way or another. I guess on the one hand, like it's for the most part not really fair for some people. It's it's kind of a a give and take, I guess. 
I mean, normally when I when I hopped into to Crucible solo when it was skill based matchmaking, it was a terrifying, terrifying place to be. Like, it was terrifying when I queued in. When I'm playing normally with like classy sill a lot of our clan mate members like i'm tony and i are probably the only two that are like exclusively pvp players and um the people that that we go in those games with like, it's regular that we can kind of expect to get like 30 kill games every time i mean granted i'm starting to get to that point where i'm expecting that in the the current matchmaking as well but in the skill-based stuff it was like i i expect to be getting 30 plus kills every single game in the current one like when when i was doing it before when it was um skill-based matchmaking and i queue in solo hmm <laughs> Oh boy, I would be lucky to walk away with like 16, 20, something like that. I not very often in the top two players. It was like hyper sweat fest where, you know, you're kind of expecting half the people are streamers. Dang. It, it's, yeah, it was a very, very scary place to be. The so, current current stuff like the last couple of games i've played i've missed we rants in almost every single game by like one or two kills i i think the first couple of games i played this season i got 37 and 40 kills and uh 18 and 19 streaks so it's it's like I don't know that it's a bad thing because honestly, like I I keep running into people that are, are just as good or better than me. It's not like I'm just running over every single lobby. There's a lot of them like I think I was talking to Silwaller earlier today before this where it was like I kept getting beat up by these two guys on the other team. Mm -hmm. I was still in the top one or two on my team and I think I still walked away with like one of them was like 35 kills and we lost yeah no it's a uh, um, but those people are on both teams yeah it, it uh, I think overall it's going to make sixes a more enjoyable experience I mean, everybody's going to have their individual bad experiences, but I think on the whole, it's going to have it's going to have better matchmaking. You're not going to get whacked by people whose connection speed is in the dark age. Um, then nothing, nothing like that's going to go on. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this positive change. I mean, I, I do agree that I've. I mean, e even when queuing in with you, John, I, I think I've seen the, the skill level drop a bit since the season started, and it yeah. might just be due to the 
might just be due to the fact that, like we were discussing earlier, that we I, I had a trial by fire last season between trials and getting to legend and comp, and so I've probably gotten less scrubby than I was back in season of the dawn. Um, but I was dropping thirty bombs too. Most games. That was easy. It, it was uh. I, I I can't chalk it up entirely to the to the fact that they rotated out SBMM, but it uh it made it uh made it feel like there was a lot less resistance in sixes. Do you um, know who? Uh... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I'll say. Do you know who Grenadier Jake is, Louis? Yeah, he uh, actually plays on Xbox. Yeah. So I. I played a game earlier, and he was in my he was on my team. What? And I was like, I was going off. I almost had like a reran, and he was still above me. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? And then once I looked at it, I was like, oh, I know who he is. And then we he dropped like a forty one with like a three point something Ooh. KD. And then I was I was second. I had a twenty nine with like a eight point something KD. I was like, okay, this is a lot easier than it was before. Because <laughs> John was the only one, like, mostly playing, and I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like he said, he almost he posted a picture. He almost got a rerun. He had like 19 streak. 19 streak. And then I was like, oh, I want to get in on that. <laughs> and then I went don't. in today, and I was like, oh, it's so easy. You wow. don't get a rerun until I get my Harbinger title. I played three matches. I averaged like a 5KD. I was like, please. Dang. Yeah. yeah, I haven't jumped into Crucible yet. I've been trying to focus on my powerful, so I think I will be getting there next. So I'll get the chance to check it out myself. That's it. All right. Well, uh, last thing we want to talk about is um, what we're excited about for uh, the future of Destiny and what we fear. Uh, I can say that I'm excited about what the potential of the new subclass and element could be. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited because if it's successful, we could see an overall revamp to the other subclasses and that could lead to some really, really interesting builds and some real um, personality to our guardians, even more than what we have now. Um, so I'm super excited with that, but with also with that excitement, there's also fear of um, Bungie repeating their failures. Um, it almost seems like they get something right and then they they take one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to see them on an upward trend where we're getting at least four steps forward and maybe one step back. Because I know mistakes are going to happen, we're, we're, you know, they're no different from us. We're all human. We all make mistakes. Um, I just hope that going forward, they really like com compile all of the criticism that they've received from the community and aim to try and not meet any of those markers again. Because we, we've seen them make changes and then double back on it and then make changes again and then end up right back to it. So if I'd say... One of my biggest fears is them to repeat the past, which I don't want them to do. But overall, I'm very excited for the future of this game and very excited to be recommitted into it since I kind of teetered off for a bit. Uh, we are very excited to have more people 
to bring into our clan and and do raids with that's always kind of a a big yes. thing for us so we got a lot of people but commitment's sort of a questionable thing so it's like we'll we'll call up a, a, a raid or something and we'll get like five people <laughs> every time it's like yeah the more uh, people who are available to sub in I'm looking forward to like next year's content starting in September this year and then you know they committed to what 2022 through 2022 no I think it's 20 2023 oh. Oh no, you're right, you're right, you're right. 2022. Yeah. So, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, you know, the new uh, subclass, like you said, and then just getting, I like raids, personally, I like raids. The more raids, the better. Um, so getting maybe Vault of Glass and maybe some more, that'd be fun. And then I'm looking forward to getting you on PC. That'd be, that's gonna be nice. Hey, I'm in the first step. Got my got nice. my got my third nine hundred X. So yep. just gotta get just gotta get the rest of the pieces uh, together. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have the same fears as you. Just just making same mistakes as before. Like uh, Destiny One, it was pretty polished when I first started playing. And then of course they had their lulls and their bounce backs. But when the game was like finally finished, it was like really, really good. And then when Destiny 2 came out, it was like 10 steps backwards from that where they left off. Yeah. I was like, what? yeah. what's the problem here? Why would you change so many things, you know? Yeah. And now they're slowly creeping back to where Destiny 1 left off. So looking forward to that. I think the thing I'm I'm most excited for is the the Deepstone crypts. I I'm a lore junkie. It's one of the reasons why I do so much PvE and so much exploration in the game. Um, I'm looking forward to the new destination, the new raid, anything that's going to be involved in that. Finding out the true history of Exos. I'm I, I love it all. I'm I'm really excited for that content to release. I, I'd say that my biggest fear is. I, it's more specific than just that they're going to re repeat the mistakes of the past. I'm specifically worried that if that the amount of equipment in the game is going to pare down to the point of being stale. If they do not start releasing new stuff more frequently or actually bring back old stuff with new perk pools rather than the same perk pools that they already had. Um, my experience in D2 so far has always been that the meta in D2 takes it takes forever to shift and then when it does it's instantaneous because they you know they'll, they'll buff or nerf something else and I'm, I'm worried about that pace carrying over to the actual release of new weapons and that their release pace will be slower than the pace at which things are going out of are going into sunsetting um uh, I've yet to see them pull off that kind of content producing pace correctly so far. I mean, I, I guess they did, but it happened before I started playing. So 
I'm looking forward to being impressed. Guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> okay. So I think that's the show, boys. We'll just finish things off with uh, signing out. Go ahead and start with you guys and I'll finish it off. Well, we definitely had a lot to talk about. So this was, I'm probably going to break it up into like two parts, but just wanted to say thanks to you guys, first of all, for showing interest in doing another podcast, um, dusting off the old vocal cords and uh, getting back in here. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to get back together and talk with you guys. So appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Check out our content. I'll post the link somewhere, but yeah, that's it. I gotta say this is my first time doing a podcast with the guys and I've really enjoyed the whole experience kind of, it's been kind of amazing to look back and realize that, man, this is actually how much I've experienced in my first year with Destiny. Um, it's been a lot and it didn't really register until we were actually going back through it, but season by season. Um, I'm looking forward to how the game's going to change, and I'm looking forward to uh, the new new fun and potentially uh, new content that we're not just going to see in the game, but maybe be able to produce as a group as we experience whatever Bungie has for us over this next year. Um, anyway, I'm Sill, also known as Jake, uh, on PC, and I guess this is me signing off. I just I'd like to see Destiny keep going. I want to keep playing and getting better playing with all all the people the more i play the more i learn about this game i'm noticing i'm getting more cynical but you know what the more uh the dead clan grows the the more people we actually get to bring through and kind of re-experience all the different raids and stuff all the different challenges through each new person it's kind of fun i'd like to keep doing it all right and uh I'm Luis, also known as Louis Bling. Um, we'll be posting this on, like Javi said, on our OG gaming platforms. Um, and we will also be having this on the Dead Clan channels. Um, and also, I just want to shout out to Javi. Um, he kind of does our audio for us and puts everything together because he's all uploaded to our channels. So if you want to support him, go check him out on Mixer, Hav707. And uh, hey, shout out. This is Louis Bling signing out. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe and follow us so you don't miss another episode. And we'll catch you on the next one. Burn, 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 burn.